Hey, what's hey, up, everybody? everybody? This is about movies? Still. Still is. Keep it going. Always will be? Yeah, what are you guys with the weather doing? The weather gods. <laughs> Call back to early. Um, <laughs> Call back to what you didn't hear me talking about earlier. It was a joke about the previous attempt at this introduction <laughs> that you didn't hear. But if you had, you'd be like, oh. what's the What's the weather doing now? My gosh. <laughs> My guys. Please stop. <laughs> please stop weather people. Today we're talking about Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, with Robbie. With Robbie. He kept trying to get me to say, Scorsese was a goat. He did. And does he succeed? You'll have to find out. You'll have to wait and see. <laughs> we hope you like this episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, oh, you know what? My name's Randy. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm Jeremiah. I don't you know, that. Never, you know we're, that. We're terrible podcast hosts in that sense. We <laughs> never do the thing. We don't have the shtick where it's like, this is what this podcast is, and this is who we are. No, really? We're really? just a couple our, of guys. Our rule for the for like the beginning is to see if we can just wreck it. Everything. See if we can wreck the Or at least my mine. Yeah. Yeah. And Randy's like trying to keep it on track the whole time. I'm well, to if you're new it. to the podcast, which you know would be pretty you would crazy because everyone's heard it. it at this point. <laughs> so I mean, it's pretty hard to find new people to listen to it. But if you are new, uh, then you know this is just a conversation between a couple of friends. We're not reviewing the movie, uh, but we want to talk about it. So we are going to spoil everything in it. So if you have not seen *Killers of the Flower Moon*, we recommend uh, you stop what you're doing and go watch it right now because it's yeah. freaking great. Uh, it's great. And uh, but we're going to talk all about it. So sit back. Enjoy. Enjoy. Sit back and enjoy, but not too far, because the guy with the iPad behind you, he's got a rig for a reason. <laughs> That's a joke about a future joke <laughs> that if you continue listening, you'll hear. So there you go. Is your steering wheel temperature? I mean, in a BMW. If I had that, that would make sense that that was that, but I, I don't have that. Are you sure? Yes. You might not have the feature turned on, but the button might already be in there. <laughs> they charge when I turn it on. Yeah. No, that'd be that'd be newer BMWs. Well, I can't also, even. Mine was 3G, so uh, they shut down the. It can't even talk to the satellite anymore. Sick. It's so. practically not even a BMW. It's not a BMW. You can't talk to space. <laughs> that is true, though. If if you're a model, you could have paid more to have a heated steering wheel. That would probably still be in there. The control for it, maybe mm, not. But I I, I could see that. I even looked it up on YouTube, and one guy was like, "It's the something for something." I was like, "That is so clearly false." And he was like, uh, in mine, I turned it to this so that it does this. And I was like, it doesn't even do that. It was so dumb, I can't even remember. <laughs> like, for the sake of the joke, I can't remember what it was. It was so dumb. My brain was just like, delete that. No. Absolutely not. It's how loud your muffler is. On a blue and red? <laughs> yeah. That, but that's what's crazy. It's the same color as, like, heated and cooled like it's the same colors yeah i feel like it is temperature for it something. has to be something right i don't know i wish i knew yeah i turned it to cold you know just in case mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> i'd rather cold than hot in, mo- in most cases i guess just keep a really detailed 
notebook like, <laughs> of, of everything that happens and then just refer back. Over, well, then you know, click it like once every day. But no, just set it. Yeah, you, I mean, you have to kind of set times of like, okay, exactly. today I'm doing it at this setting and then you take detailed notes. And Do then at like the end of like a month, you just go, okay, on these days, are there any similarities? <laughs> then Two uh, weeks at a time, have two weeks all the way blue two weeks all the way red and then write down every time you get in your car like where my hands hot on the wheel well wouldn't like when the temperature have to be the same so i have to wait till like january february what is the weather doing maybe do a month aside from trying to make us sick (laughs) it's like it rained it's 40 degrees it rained it's 80 degrees (laughs) but only for a week i think it's succeeding yeah seriously it's making everybody just like (coughs) like i can't be at work and not and like five seconds go by without hearing i went to dallas like three weeks ago now and when i was in dallas i was feeling good but then while i was there i started getting congested and it was one of those weird situations where like like this wouldn't have happened before covid but now that covid you, yeah, you, has can't, you can't cough. <laughs> you can't cough. There were like weird. It was there was just weirdness. Mm-hmm. You could feel it in in interaction with people. There were a lot of people. This is like a convention thing. Well, so and it was a national thing, right? So, so there's a bunch of people. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Well, all gathered in mm-hmm. like that first week of college when everyone gets sick. Yeah. So there was just a lot of. You heard this a lot. Like people going, like they would cough and they go, "Oh, excuse me, I'm so sorry." Um, yeah, these allergies, right? Yeah, you and have everyone, to say it. Yeah. Everyone says these allergies, and then like one guy, like he's a cool guy, but like he was clearly sick, like just getting worse <laughs> the whole time, losing his voice, um, hacking and coughing, and and just his nose would not stop running. And he's like, "Oh, these allergies," and I'm just like. Dude, everything that's happening to you right now is exactly what happened to me when I had COVID. <laughs> so, and like, we're like right, we're like right here next to each Including other. the testing positive for COVID. <laughs> including that part. That's yeah. probably allergies. Yeah. This so, isn't a real, uh, this isn't a real. So I was worried that disease? I was going to get COVID again, but then Hers. I never got sick. Like I never got like to a point where I felt like I was sick, mm-hmm. but my congestion kept getting worse. Yeah, and I mean, you could have still had it, or like a lighter version maybe. of it. Maybe. But I will say that I have been tired ever since then, all day, every day. You got mono. That oh, Maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> that weekend, I went and visited my family yeah. in Atlanta and had one very sick baby use me as a jungle gym. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, little nephew. And then the one uh, two-year-old... Female used me as a jungle gym, and she looked right in my face and went, (laughs) and I went, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for sharing whatever that was. (laughs) I'm just trying to lay down, and she's like, you're a jungle gym. And I'm like, I'm a person. I'm a person. My name is Anna. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Jim, not jungle gym. <laughs> what if you named a kid Jim spelled that way? <laughs> it's Jim. Oh, not Jungle. My name's Jim Halpert. G Y M. I feel like talking about COVID now. I want to brag. I've never had it on paper. Uh-huh. Pretty sure I've had it, but I've tested 
multiple times and I've never, I've never tested positive for it. Huh. Yeah, I think I've, I've had it once, but it was like late too. It was in like early 22, I think. I went I back and it. looked at my records and in like, I think it was January 2020, mm-hmm. I had something that they've tested me for the flu. Yeah. And it came back negative. Yeah, my cousin lived in New York in uh, the end of 2019, and he said everyone was sick. Yeah, the end of 2019, just like super sick. Pre-COVID, COVID, yeah. <laughs> We're like yeah. the fir- the first, yeah, and then like we didn't know, and then like two months later, it was like, oh, look at this thing. Yeah. There's gotta be there's gotta be another strain that's just floating around that's real low key because like I just under the radar because uh, I've been it's endemic at this the point. Of, like we'll live with it. Yeah. Oh yeah, but I mean when I have gone there's I've gone to the doctor several times this year because having a kid end up getting sick a lot like almost every two months <laughs> kids, I get sick. Kids make you and so sick and it's no fun but. I've gone to the doctor a couple of times and it's always been the same symptoms. It's like the exact same symptoms. It's like congestion. I might have a fever. I'll be like really weary. And then I'll like have a, uh, uh, like a runny nose or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, then the doctors will test me for the flu. They'll test me for strep and they'll test me for COVID and they'll test me for, I guess like a sinus infection or whatever. This is all, all that. And they're always like, it's all negative. <laughs> and then they're just like, we don't know what you got. Uh, uh, here's a, a regiment of of uh, every medicine we have that com- that we would normally give you for any one of those things. So just take all of it. <laughs> and it's just like just to be safe. It's usually like you know, like a Z pack and mm-hmm. whatever they call it, uh, antibiotics, all that stuff, and decongestants, and and then cough medicines because the decongestant makes me cough. And then all, <laughs> and then you know, it's like. And then the cough medicine makes me stay up all night. Like, <laughs> the sleeping pill. <laughs> yeah. So just uppers and downers. Upper and down. <laughs> we'll try to find a natural sniff, medium sniff, for sniff, you. Sniff. <laughs> so it's uh, I can all go back and forth so many times. Yeah. So anyways, I, I haven't gone back to the doctor since I've had this thing because it, I've never, I haven't gotten a fever or anything yet, but I've, it's been three weeks now and my nose is still congested and running and I am just tired all the time but it doesn't feel like w- i had covid twice and this doesn't feel like that like it feels very different mm-hmm. so i'm like is this just a different version yeah. of it or is this something i mean it could be i think uh, much depressed is that what this <laughs> is like, i, don't I think <laughs> this many years deep you're still just not your body's not used to the weather here that's probably what it is man there's been so many times where we well what flip-flops like this yeah that's the worst like we've talked about like <coughs> what is it like what is are we being responsible raising a child here? <laughs> <laughs> because there's like, like if we raised her where we're from, she wouldn't get as like sick as often. I know you can be like, no, no, kids get sick all the time. Yes, they do. But like not this kind of sick. Like it's the same thing, like just yeah. head pressure, yeah, congestion. Like, you'll live like, with it. You'll like, learn. It's like, no. Yeah. And even the doctors are like, yeah, she's probably just going to have asthma because she lives here. And it's like, what? Why is that? Why are we choosing that? Like that you're making that now sound like well, you're I, choosing yeah, to give her asthma for life. A lot of kids like, that have it yeah. here, like in PE, yeah. they'll have asthma. But then when like when, in their twenties, they won't anymore. Yeah, but, but it's like it's, it's a very like kid, kid thing 
to to have asthma, especially here. I was gonna like, say, but not where I'm from. Like asthma was super mm-hmm. rare where I'm from. So well, it just like, like why would we? Fun fact. I don't know. We have terrible air quality, but it's not even because of like man-made. No, stuff. it's just like the, all the freaking nature, man. <laughs> nature. <laughs> the nature's like, out to get you here. The nature never wanted you here. Nature, in the first place. God was like, I don't understand. I. It's very obvious you're not supposed to live there. Just go somewhere There's else. There's an alley here that's filled with tornadoes. Not there. <laughs> yeah. Not in the swampy parts that. Full of pla- alligators. The plants keep having, uh, yeah. you know. Parasites that'll <laughs> swim up your junk and whatever. Yeah. You know, so not so. there. Anywhere else. And we're like, here's good. Here's good. Oh, also there's ticks that will like make you make you allergic to meat. So just, <laughs> yeah. You like meat? You know, don't live there. Don't live there. I'll live there. <laughs> yeah. Then we're just stubborn. Apparently the people that live in Mississippi no, are just I'll like, no, I'm going to live here. I'm going to plant my the, roots uh, deep. <laughs> we have the most. I moving. The most tornadoes, almost the most humidity. We have ticks that will make you allergic to meat. We have several types of snakes that don't can kill you. kill you. Yeah. Apparently, some people in Mississippi got out because apparently those 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 ticks are now being found on the West Coast. Sick. So somebody got out. Somebody did. On the West like Coast, it was you. Yeah. you took it was me. Oh man, no, you I and your family. I haven't. I still. Was, I'm not no, there was one. Me. There was one deer that got one possessed deer. by a tick. It just, and was it was just was like, like I'm going to California. Yeah, yeah. made the journey. A little foot over there, going to the promise, <laughs> the Great Valley. I want Almost something. The promised tree land. stars. <laughs> basically, a promised land, right? I don't know. I never oh. thought about that. The little name for time is basically just the Israelites going out of Egypt and into the promised land. That's basically all that story is, except they're being chased by dinosaurs the whole time. Is the ending different? <laughs> I mean, they get yeah, to the promised no, land. There's no splitting right? the Red Sea. If you there? just stop the story there, and it's like, they got to the promised yeah, land. That's true. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, but then, uh, I mean, that was the end of one. It was the end of one. There's like, then they ni- become friends there's like with the 19 more. You know, yeah. You get uh, to know them. Where they get Gen- chased out again. Jenny Nicholson watched all of them. <laughs> oh, good. And there's, it's like an hour long video really of her ranking them. Yeah. It's great. And, we, then, and then watch the church do the. Yeah. Jenny, Jenny and I, like, Watched a little bit of. The, I told her about it because I sent her like a uh, Instagram reel about it. Yeah. And she was like, "This is why? Why? Why do they do this?" And I'm like, "I don't. It's just. I feel like it's one of those things that just like started small. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone was like, "That was fun." And then they just like got bigger and bigger. And people were like, "This is fine, right? This isn't weird. Like everyone was used to it. But from the outside looking in, it's it doesn't make any sense. Yeah." And I can't, I I can't tell if you're but talking about the land before time. Both. <laughs> but I don't want you to tell me what you're talking about. Have y'all watched, me and my mom watched the full four hours of her talking about that uh, the park, park yeah. in like Utah or wherever. No, I what's that? It's, it's called like Evermore. A, yeah. It's awesome. No, I don't, it's I don't like know. a renaissance fair. It's like a permanent renaissance fair. But they also have like quests and it's like yeah. light LARPing. It was like a theme park without the rides, uh-huh. just the aesthetic. <laughs> a, a, a Renaissance it was like, theme park without the rides. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like, it's just going to be a LARP adventure. But they didn't really flesh out any of the mechanics. Okay. For like, and, for the and they would change the story like seasonally. Yeah. So if you so one, if you had missed the previous season, you kinda didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And two, nobody was explaining anything well, to yeah. you. Also, you could go once a week and just miss when they do the yeah. not consistently you might even, scheduled you might even performances not see this and stuff, not know yeah. what's going on. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's four hours. Like it 
it's that's, insane. That's kind of weird to have a theme park that requires you to come back multiple times a week to keep yeah. up with the well, content. They, they really wanted you to do like buy the seasonal pass yeah. or like and know, the annual pass. There's literally like no activities. And then yeah, and then just like stay there and like I think they wanted like for that instead of you have a bar, like you use the bar in the theme park and that's your bar that you go to once a week. Yeah. How weird. There's like Literally the only like activity that wasn't walking around in the vibey stuff was like axe throwing, which wasn't covered by admission. <laughs> like you like pay to throw axes in the back. And it's like super it's super unfinished. <laughs> like not even in the park. Well, yeah, it was like the it was like the an area the that they were, they were gonna build some stuff and they never really built anything back there. Yeah. And so yeah, it's like super unfinished and you can just walk through all the unfinished stuff. And they were talking about while they were there, like the freaking owner drove his truck up into near one of the places they were working. And she was like, Oh, you just don't even care. (laughs) (laughs) Just like trucks in the middle of the like walkable parts of the park with construction happening, not blocked off. And they're like talking with blueprints and it's like, we shouldn't be seeing any of this. (laughs) (laughs) None of this should happen when you're open. (laughs) We could get you some pipe and drape out here. <laughs> did it? Did that, was that the video that also went into like he bought another place? Yeah, like a futuristic one. Yeah, there's like okay, go karts yeah. and stuff that are neon. Because it's like and the, the only future. thing the only thing you really do in there is ride go karts. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like it's like forty or fifty dollars, <laughs> and it's just go karts with neon. It sounds like somebody played Roller Coaster Tycoon. And then they were like, I could do this. And then that's exactly what it is. (laughs) (laughs) And they realize it's, oh, maybe this is more difficult. That's exactly what it is. And you can't just pick up your guests and put them wherever you want. Go to the go karts. uh, I built you go karts. These people tried to sue Taylor Swift after she named an album Evermore. Well, (laughs) well, yeah. That says a lot. She's stealing. She's straight up thieving. Yeah. Obviously, she attended and. He's like, you know what? I'm not even going to acknowledge them. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to steal gonna. it. Taylor Swift frequents this park because it's the only place where she's not going to get mobbed by people because there's no one there. Oh. <laughs> oh, also the gift shop wasn't open the whole time they were there. Like uh, yeah, Jamie they Nicholson just wanted to buy a t-shirt. <laughs> the one they were thing trying that's going to gonna shirts, make yeah. money is not open. <laughs> there was like a restaurant where the doors were unlocked, but they were like, oh, we're closed. We don't have food. <laughs> Is she just like sharing anecdotes about it, or did she no, go she, no, there? There's footage. She, like, yeah, it's took a, a group of friends. Yeah. And so went. it's it's still open. It uh, was was okay. Yeah. No, she still tweets updates, and there's gonna be a follow up video oh at God. some point. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's wild. So weird. It's a journey. It's like reading <laughs> War and Peace. It's like <laughs> there was a place that uh, where was I headed? I don't I don't remember where we were going. Um, it might have been on the way to Oklahoma when we drove out there. It's a good segue. Uh, <laughs> but I don't, I don't oh, yeah. remember if that was it or not. But anyway, we were we were on a long drive going somewhere, uh, my wife and I, and we passed by this what looked like an old pioneer village. It was just completely like ghost town status. Like it just was on the side of the highway. And you look in it and it's like, oh, that place is haunted. Like, it's not like it just, 
it was a whole town, like a small, mm-hmm. you know, like old fashioned town. Like it basically think of like, you know, if a town was the size of a trailer park, that was the town, mm-hmm. but there were like all these buildings and it looked clearly like n- not quite Western, but definitely old, like, you know, colonists and yeah. things like that. So, but it was clearly no one lived there. Everything was run down. It looked spooky. It was like, that's so weird. And it had a name and I, I wish I remembered the name of the town, but they had a little set of like a gate op- entrance to it and a little name on it. Well, we drove maybe five more miles mm-hmm. and then there was an identical town, <laughs> but this one was all nice. And it was like, did they just like leave this town and build a second one five miles away? That was like, like same style of buildings, everything. But this one looked like it was open for sure. I didn't know if it was like, Hey, this is like, he's doing like a regular one and a haunted one. My regular, yeah, this is the one they open up at Halloween. This, this is dark Honeywood. Dark Honeywood. <laughs> this was in Oklahoma. I don't remember where it was. I feel like we were going east, but I don't okay. remember the last time we drove east in any long at any long distance. So I don't, I don't remember where it is to be honest. Yeah. Well, I, my two thoughts were uh, in Oklahoma. It's just a yet another horrific story that we haven't. That we'll hear about from oh, some yeah. movie or oh, TV God. show. Okay. Where it's like, like this town was doing great, and then they nuked it and yeah. <laughs> started another one just like it. Where's the town Silent Hill supposedly based upon? It's Pennsylvania, I think. Yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah there's some there's some town in Pennsylvania where I think it's Pennsylvania <coughs> where there's like a underground volcano that just constantly releases so just ash poison gas or poison gas. Sick. Yeah, so the people were told to leave, like the post office. The post office got out of town. <laughs> That's how you know. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then some people just stayed, and then like kind of it kind of got shut off, and no one really knows what happened to those the, people. <laughs> the post office leaving is worse than Waffle House I know House what happened. Closing. I played those games. I know what happened to them. Or, uh, hey, quick uh, – Tangent there on that though. Um, the that remake the Silent Hill movie is is a guilty pleasure of mine. I really like that movie a lot. The the one with the the lady and she's chasing her son, right? Uh, or is there another one? It's her daughter, right? Man, it's been yeah, it's her daughter. Uh, but uh, Sean Bean's in it for like years. literally five minutes. Yeah, yeah. But they they That's listed good. they listed him. I don't know why. I don't know why it wasn't like more well received. Yeah. Is he in the second one? Second one. I ha- I never saw the second one. It was made by the same people. It was meant to follow like, so you have, because uh, I think I think the first game, so the movies are, are like loosely based on the games. They're not really. The movie I felt like was more two than one. That's what I'm, it's like. It's very, it's like, oh, here's an idea from the first game and here's the movie's version of it. And it's not the same, but you can feel it's like, it's got that like yeah, you, sister you don't want it to be thing it is quality too, to it, yeah. you know, like it's like a sister film or a sister game, you know. And I think that was a good idea because it felt very Silent Hill. It felt like, oh yeah, there's just re- repetition and these same ideas re- reoccurring, but it's not the same exact story. Mm-hmm. But I think in the second game, they like second game, sorry, second movie, they they brought Sean Bean back to to um, set up some stuff for the. 
would have been, would have been more like universe. Silent Hill 1. <laughs> well, because Silent Hill 1 was like a dad coming and looking for his son, I think. Yeah. And then, yeah, yes. I never played Silent Hill 1 because it was like. And then 2 was just him trying two to figure was a out man, what happened. He got a letter from his wife who died like 20 his years wife, ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Silent Hill 2 is so good. That, I mean, I'm glad that they're remaking, remaking it. that I hope, one or the I hope that one? it's actually good. That's the second one. Okay, good. Silent Hill 2. My only uh, have you played the Dead Space remake? No, it's not free yet. for you. No, I know. Well, it isn't yet. I haven't used the code <laughs> because I probably won't be able to use it's the so code good. until December. It's real good. Maybe January. <clears throat> I don't have time right now. My only uh, Silent Hill experience is PT. Yeah, PT is very different. It's very good, but it's not. It's I the same. It's, it's got a similar yeah. vibe, but. It feels the same. Silent Hill 2 just has this great atmosphere. Uh, I don't, I mean, I haven't gone back and played it in like it's over 15 years, but it, uh, it's just got a great atmosphere. It's scary in like really cool ways. Um, it's just really creepy at times and you'll like little differences. You'll notice things are changing as you're walking around. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, what the heck? And then. Yeah, it's like there was a statue like there five seconds ago. It's not there no more. Where to go? And yeah, then, it's like you're constantly yeah. descending further and further into like hell. Yeah, so like, like as you go, it just gets crazier. It feels and crazier. like the town is just descending. It it's not happening that way, but it feels like that. But that that's why in PT, every time you went around, yeah, the last door was down, 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 down. Yeah, like four steps. Yeah. Oh, there's like okay, uh, so because you're descending each time. There's yeah. like a, a section of Silent Hill two where you you go off into like the ed the outskirts of town and there's a historical society mm-hmm. building that you have to go to and when you go in there like you find like these rooms that like take you down and then down and you're like why this is further down than any building should have a basement <laughs> and then you find a room with a hole in it <clears throat> and you just have to like you can go to the edge of the hole and it asks you if you want to go in or not and you just say <laughs> yeah no. and then it shows a little cutscene and your character drops into it and it's you go you're in a labyrinth with like like a terrifying, horrifying labyrinth. <laughs> Think of like sick. every Saw basement in the Saw films, just like horrifying. You hear sounds of metal. And now all that you're stuff. there, how do I get and, out? And how do I get out of here? And then there's you a dude. Said no. There's a dude with a huge sword <laughs> and a massive like metal pyramid on top of his head, chasing oh, you through this labyrinth. Yeah. It's very, yeah, it's it's terrifying. But it's uh, the opening sequence of Silent Hill Two is like this. This guy getting the letter, he's at like a rest stop outside of town because, you know, of course the bridge is out. That's just like the staple of, you can't get into a scary town the right way. You have to go through the woods. So he gets out of the car and he's like, (laughs) you have to hit a rest stop first. I don't know. Well, I think that's just where he was. So he's like, okay, there's a little hiking trail. I can get around. I can go around the lake to get into town because the pathway's out. So. He goes into the, the woods to walk, and you're walking through there, mm-hmm. and it's called it's called this. It doesn't actually last 20 minutes, but it's called the 20 minute fog jog, is what I've heard it called, or just the fog jog, mm-hmm. because you just are running through the woods, and as you're getting further in, the fog is getting thicker and thicker and thicker until it's like so dense that you can't see anything except for like a few feet in front of you, and then you just start hearing things. 
And that's when that's you switch awesome. realms. And it's uh, super scary. <laughs> it's super <laughs> spooky. Uh, and you finally get into town. There's a whole section where you go to the hospital. You go to the hospital in every, in every Silent Hill game, and it's always the worst. When you get around here, you're like, okay, we've got to go to the hospital for reasons. And you're like, or no, the, or the I've s- been to the hospital. I don't want to go back to the, the hospital. the school from the first one was the school, terrifying. Yeah. But the hospital is like, they do such a good job. But like, you wander around the hospital for a long time, and nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's like worse than if they're worth. That's what, yeah. Me. That's what's killer in horror and, games is when nothing <laughs> happens, yeah. especially for a long time. Uh, like in Alan Wake, I need like to play Alan they Wake. don't even have to put enemies in the woods; they just have to do like the. Yeah, that's the thing with the fog jog. Like after playing it once or twice, I decided to just stop <laughs> and not move and be like, "Okay, is anything actually going to get me?" If this and no, nothing no. gets you. Yeah, but it's still creepy because you. It just feels like something's going to get yeah. you. Yeah. Or an Alan Wake in the woods at dark. Uh, you know, if you come across an enemy, you have to like they're immune to bullets until you shine a flashlight on them. So you have to like like and then like you have to like pin them down with a flashlight and like it'll take away their shield and until then they're just invincible. Ugh. And but the whole time you can hear like wisp like like I was going but it's words. It's like yeah. It's like get out, get out. We're going to find you and kill you. And you're like <laughs> And like you can see like a cabin light like way far away and you're just like run and they'll do like the yeah i'm running like jog sort of (laughs) (laughs) i'm technically running and you're like run faster and like nothing even has to happen but it's terrifying (laughs) yeah it sounds awful it's great i love it (laughs) should come over when silent hill 2 remake comes out play it together Uh, (laughs) um silent hill is that konami yeah yeah wait it's probably yes yes. it's probably not going to be any good <laughs> well, just because Konami was a, uh, am I getting it mixed up? They were Metal Gear, right? Yeah, yeah. I they're mean, just, they're just, I don't know. What's the? That's Capcom that remade Resident Evil. Yeah, because they're they're, they're like they've done a couple of remakes, bandwagon, and it's like, well, they, hey, well, Capcom's doing remakes, but they're doing them right. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. They're just, it's like essentially DC chasing Marvel. Yeah, early early DC Marvel mm-hmm. stuff. So it's like. So I hope it's good. Oh, good. Did you good watch? It's not because they're, re- they're Have you seen the flash? No, <laughs> it's real. It's real bad. <laughs> I think I've just. Yeah. Also, it's a Batman movie. I don't know why they even called it Flash, but uh, I saw yeah. someone watching it on a plane, on their iPad, <sighs> and I was like, "This looks rough." It was probably <laughs> one of the free movies. They were just like, "Yeah, I guess I'll watch this." This. It was wild. I was on a plane that didn't have any screens. Uh, so Southwest? Yeah. <laughs> I was say, you just use your phone. Um, but this dude had like a, literally had like a mount for his iPad. So it looked like he oh, had the one those, yeah. seat that oh. had like a big screen. But you're also relying it. upon the person in front of you like, yeah. like playing ball with your mm-hmm. device. If they lean back, you gotta be like. <laughs> <laughs> that. And yeah. so you, you, you flow on planes that uh, chairs lean back. That's, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd not say, Southwest. Do they, do they lean back in Southwest? Uh, Southwest, I feel like they lean back a couple Like it's like that. It's like. Well, I, I'm bigger than the seats on Southwest. I, when I sit in a Southwest Everyb- seat, everybody I'm, I'm 110% <laughs> the capacity of the seat. 
Randy's like, I'm a hundred pounds, and he can't like he has yeah. to do like this to sit on himself. <laughs> yeah. Also, every time, dude, it's always me and two other dudes my size. Yeah, and I'm and like, that's how did row. we? Yeah, how did we get here? Well, <laughs> at least at least like the one on the window can do, can kind of like yeah, because <laughs> I. I always fly like the cheapest possible. So it's Southwest and I'm like the last person to board. Always, and yeah. they tell you the whole time they're like, this flight is a hundred percent full. Not a single seat will be empty. And everyone just sits in the window in the aisle. Yeah. yeah. And then the last group, you just have to walk by with everyone scowling at you. And it's yeah. like, what did you and think you just, would happen? Well, and you just no, have to take the it, first they seat. Know, that you they know to. that you have to take a seat, but they're doing it to like ward off anybody who might, you know, cause for yeah. example, Okay, we did. Okay, we did. We did this when Raya was little. Okay, because we didn't want to sit next to anybody when we had Raya with us on the yeah. flight. So we would sit in the window and the aisle, and we'd put Raya in the middle. Mm-hmm. Even though she had to sit in our lap, technically she did not yeah. have that seat. We just I put mean, her yeah. there, and nobody sat next to us. Well, because no one's gonna come over and be like, "Can you move your baby so I can sit <laughs> yeah. there?" And even though they were like, "This flight is one hundred percent full," like it wasn't. They never are. They like. There's uh, always a few seats, so no, I've ever so <laughs> every, they say it every flight though, even the ones that are not full. So. Every flight I've ever been on with Southwest, that they, they said every seat will be full, every single seat was full. They'll, I've had it where they said it was like there will be three empty seats, mm-hmm. like they'll say like there's three empty seats, so like you sh- you still shouldn't try kind yeah. of thing, but yeah. But yeah, it's always because it's the people scowling. So I always end up sitting between two dudes that are just as big as me because they're the only people that are like, yeah, we get it. (laughs) But then it's like the amount of body on the row is like, (laughs) it's like trying to put four people in in these three seats that were already tiny. I'd always try to pick like when I was flying, only if I was like flying standby, Mm -hmm. I'd try to like, like find a couple Maybe not with a baby, but like that's a guy and a girl. Yeah, they're together, and then just pick the middle seat, and then one of them would always go, "Oh, I'll scoot over. You can have the." It's yeah. Like, yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we did too. There was one person yeah. that did. Uh, one of the flights we had, we did have to move over because it was actually full. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, most of the time people people don't want to sit next to babies, or. I have been in the middle of like a husband and wife, and they were arguing one That's time. That's fun. So that made me regret. Why in the middle? Because uh, I chose that. He thought seat. they were a couple, and so okay. he was just well, like, they oh, were, one of them was well, over. Right, and they, they were not, like, nope. <laughs> they did not swap. That's funny. And they just argued like literally through my head, like as if my ears were megaphones or something. At least that was like entertaining. I mean, it was. Yeah, it was a good story. Yeah. I've never I've never flown next to like a baby, but the Ooh. the best flight experience I ever had was um I was in like a big group like missions trip kind of thing. Uh and so it was me and someone else I knew who was like a very small person and then this like probably like six or seven year old girl was sitting like between us. And we were like, this is awesome. Because she was just, like, talking to us the whole time. But she was, like, really well behaved. Mm-hmm. And just, like, this is cool. And talking to us. But, like, it was the least amount of human mass I've ever had on a row <laughs> in a plane. And I was like, this is incredible. So much room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm not touching, like, I'm not touching anyone else involuntarily right now. <laughs> like, on, a, on a flight to Germany. So, from Atlanta to germany it was like 
11 hours, 12 hours? Fun. There was one, like, six-year-old German kid. And it made it worse that he spoke German, I think. Because he was running up and down the aisles, like, hitting people. And his mom wouldn't do anything. Like, he was an angel to his mom. And he was just, like, running up down the aisles going, ha, 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 and, Like, hitting people, kicking chairs, and going, Scheiße! Scheiße! <laughs> For, like, 12 I've, hours. I've literally... I couldn't believe it. I've never thought about anyone under the age of 30 speaking German. <laughs> ever. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, and I was Old like, people his speak mom's German. not going to do anything. No, <laughs> nothing. Like the flight attendants didn't do anything. Maybe it's a German thing. You just let kids do whatever they want. Why have I never, I've never thought about German children existing. <laughs> every, like every like, country surrounding it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, there's kids, and they speak that language and stuff, and they're from not there. Germany. Not Germany. <laughs> no, there's no young people in Germany speaking German. I mean, I've seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and they, they just, kids are illegal, so they just hide them in the caves. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, that what that's that not was? germany yeah, but, yeah. but you know it might as well be might as well be yes. <laughs> are we gonna talk about are we gonna talk about the movie <laughs> speaking of germans chitty chitty bang bang we can talk about that movie i need to want. watch chitty chitty bang bang yeah the ki- kids are illegal in in vulgaria oh. <laughs> it's a good name right Bulgaria. that's a terrible it's a great name for like the town that's run by the villain oh it's vulgaria <laughs> yeah it's like a little like uh, Dutch village with a castle, <laughs> yeah. So Incredible. that has no children, and but there's a child catcher, and he's terrifying. <laughs> surely there actually is a town somewhere in there called Bulgaria. I mean, there's you know there's Bulgaria, but yeah, but I mean like a town. Bulgaria. I mean, if it was a V, it'd be a W, right? Am I wrong? I don't know. They w- pronounced it Bulgaria. Bulgaria. It was a play on words. They were definitely intentionally doing. That. How's it a W? And it's a uh... Dude, language is it's weird. Two beats. <laughs> Guys, Ching Chi Bang Bang is is just a really good movie. Okay. I've the heard. main character's name. Well, okay. We'll the, the dad um is Caractacus. Like that's a great name. Caractacus Potts. That's his he's, na- he's an inventor huh? named Caractacus Potts. That's pretty great. Is that Greek or Roman? I don't know. It's something. <laughs> Neither. Some warrior descendant. I yeah. don't know. You know, now that I think about it, I feel like Straight from Shitty Shitty Bang Bang was probably like the birthplace of steampunk. It's like <laughs> the birth. Everything he does is is basically like mild steampunk. What what year was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Sixty something. Okay. I don't remember. I wasn't sure how old it was. Yeah, sixties, but here, here I thought uh, Treasure Planet was the birth of steampunk. There's <laughs> right, yeah, Treasure Planet. Well, uh, he's like I good mean, steampunk. I love Treasure Planet. There, there's like a segment in the movie, like every day, their grandpa who lives with them says he's going off to somewhere. He dresses up to wherever he's going to. It's mm-hmm. not like I'm going across town. He's like today I'm going to Africa. They're in England. He's not going to Africa. <laughs> he's like I'm off to Africa, and he's dressed in safari garb and stuff mm-hmm. and he goes to a little outhouse uh it's it looks exactly like what you think of if you think of like an old western outhouse with like the moon door and all that stuff the moon on the door you know what i'm mm-hmm. talking about um it is literally just a you can there's enough room for you to stand upright in this little room but it's decorated like a little tiny house it's got like a little window and some flowers on the window and all that stuff and mm-hmm. he goes into that room every day and he stays there all day long and then he comes back out 
and then he tells the kids about all of his adventures that he went on and the movie never talks about it and it's just like That's grandpa's awesome. insane guys and you just let him go hide like in this room shrooms or all something. day but then there's a segment where like he goes and he's like oh, i'm off to africa or wherever he's going that day and uh he goes into the little hut and the bad guys think that he is the um that he's correct because pots so they they have a little airship and they, they bring a little hook down and they hook his little house and they carry mm-hmm. it up into the air and they take him somewhere. And so he's like, wait, he has a whole it, song and dance about wait, how he's actually going somewhere and it's hilarious. It's it so wasn't good. an outhouse? No, it was. They just like. So there's no the, hole in the bottom? No, it's not like, like it is an outhouse, but it's not a bathroom. Like they have it repurposed as a tiny little house for. Okay. It's okay. just a little like solitary confinement for the grandpa. <laughs> okay. It's like it's just nice. Okay. The movie never talks about it. It's just funny that he like that they're like, Okay, grandpa, see you later and he just stays in that room all day. <laughs> it's like, guys, something's wrong with grandpa. But like he's you know, he acts perfectly fine in the evenings when they have dinner. Like he's not weird. It's just yeah. like <laughs> this so whole some, time. Si- some kind of psychosis that's only <laughs> half the time during the day. Yeah. It's very whimsical. It's a great movie. I love it. This whole uh since you said he's like, I'm off to Africa or something, mm-hmm. I've just been thinking about how close if they lived in like London or something, how close you actually are to Africa. Like from like London to Morocco. Close your nose. I don't know. I mean, yeah, he could. I guess if he wanted to go to Africa, he could. But he, Grandpa's not walking to Africa. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. Drive. And then I'm not saying he's actually evening, going. You know, so I'm just saying that, like, I think he goes to the Himalayas at one point. Um, that's pretty. Far. He's, and he's yeah. wearing like full like winter gear and yeah. snowshoes, and he's walking to the Himalayas. <laughs> that's much. Clearly further, not yeah. going to the Himalayas, but yeah. It's uh, how far what is if the secret is, is the Flash and there's in there. He really was. Because Morocco's just on the other side of Spain from Yeah, he could have gone to Morocco, Randy. He could have. <laughs> he could have. I want to know how far that is. I like to think it's that his that little far. house is like, honestly, now that I think about this, I wonder if I, I thought this as a kid watching that movie, is that it's sort of like uh, um, the tent in Harry Potter, like where yeah. they go inside, it's but it's inside. like bigger inside than it mm-hmm. is on the outside. And I, I think I, that's... That's what I like to think that is happening there. I like that. Who did that first? Doctor Who? No, that's been around for a while, but like, I don't know. It's been in, in, been in D&D for a long time. There's like an item that lets you go inside of, uh, what's true. his name? One of the famous wizards that Morden was killed Kynan. by uh, um, Vecna. Yeah. Morden Kane. I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure some writer came up with that way before... Yeah, this. The yeah, I mean, it might be like a ten thousand. What do they thing, call those yeah. little pocket, pocket, things. pocket dimension, pocket dimensions, yeah. or whatever? Yeah. I wasn't even thinking that old, <laughs> but just like someone, someone between like Shakespeare and Roald Dahl, I mean, probably came up with <laughs> yeah. that. That kind of stuff it's happens big on in, the inside. That kind of yeah. stuff happens in uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory too. Yeah, there's just like weird stuff like that. So. Roald Dahl, or even just Alice in Wonderland. So yeah. Alice in Wonderland, Lewis Carroll. So speaking of Oklahoma, <laughs> speaking of Oklahoma, um, yeah. I was like, I don't, we haven't talked in a while. It might be a while. It might be a while. Yeah, we have to we have to talk about what's going on in our lives. Um, I could, do you mind if I start with a story? Go for it. Okay, I think I've told you guys this story before, 
But is this your letterboxd review story? Yes. Okay. Uh, because I think it's important. It's important to me. It's a great story. So, uh, and honestly, I don't. I'll just say this. I don't know if I have much else to say about the movie other than this story. <laughs> so, um, let me start off by saying so everything I have to say. I th- well, I just think that this. I think this story encapsulates my experience with the film, and my takeaways from it, uh, quite nicely. So, um, I went to see this movie that we're talking about today, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. And I was in Dallas. I was there for other reasons, but I had some time to kill. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'll go to the theater. So I walked to the theater and um, ended up in the theater. I was by, by myself. And uh, it's like one of those like reclining seat theaters. Gross. Uh, <laughs> what, Honestly, that day, it was a freaking godsend. I was so <laughs> exhausted. My feet were so tired from walking around all day that I was like, oh, thank the Lord for a recliner. Like, this is so nice. Uh, but the guy right next to me definitely fell asleep and started snoring. Uh, within like 20, 40 minutes, uh, at a certain point, he got up and left and never came back. And his wife or significant other was there for a long time without him and then eventually she got up and left and never came back so i was like okay hopefully she went to go check on him hopefully he's okay he definitely like i don't know if he had sleep apnea or something but he was having a hard time sleeping he mm-hmm. was snoring but then like having like <laughs> like i was like what oh, in the world's going guy. on over here like <laughs> so randy forgot it was me <laughs> forgot it was, it was jeremiah we were <laughs> at the movie together and i'm just like this old guy over here is dying right now. but if you were in a recliner theater like that and someone like sat down and reclined and then like broke out their like cpap machine <laughs> <laughs> and like put it on <laughs> you know it's another good story i guess you do you man you do you <laughs> you just like it just it no, was so funny it. because it started off like they were like chomping on popcorn and every time a trailer would come up he'd be like that looks like a good one <laughs> and, you know <laughs> like it was like i was like all right man like he's here to have a good time he's enjoying the theater he's enjoying these seats or whatever as long as he can, yeah. he's not you know he's as long as he can <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> that might have been the last time i don't know i never saw him again so who can say uh but you know he's like he's not like trying to be quiet or discreet when he like lifts up the uh the recliner seat it's always mm-hmm. like it's like real loud and <clears throat> let me just get settled here <clears throat> all kind of stuff and um so it was just it was one of those things where i just kind of chuckle and was like whatever man it's cool um, <laughs> the sound of fat people reclining i just Holy so i'm so i'm so <laughs> hyper aware of my impact on the people around me when I'm in a theater, at least I feel like I am Yeah. of just like everything I do. Like, is it okay if I sit, like if I'm starting to slouch and I feel my back start to like hurt mm-hmm. a little bit and I go, Oh, I need to sit up straight. Was oh, this a good time to do that? Or am I going to like, <laughs> am I going to interrupt what's happening on yeah. the screen? You know, no, I feel a little insane thinking that way. Cause I'm sure most people are like, dude, who cares? No well, one cares. also, but like, like I'm always like 300 pounds. You can't, well, I'm yeah, not 300 so, pounds. Well, but that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, if he was, he wasn't. No, he was a skinny dude. So, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, like being in Mississippi, and you know, everybody's kind of bigger. Uh, I I just assume you get to the point where you're like, I can't move silently. 
<laughs> I it, people will just deal with it, and like yeah, they yeah. move, and they're like, <laughs> you're like, you good? <laughs> well, this guy, this guy was definitely not large. He was he was just a skinny older guy. But um, as someone who's been 300 pounds uh, and is also very uh, like Randy when it comes to sound in the movie theater, <laughs> you're like, you can. You can be quiet. I was say, Robbie just accepts his fate. He's like, I'm just sinking into the seat. I will not. No, I sit upright. I, I, I lean forward. <laughs> On to intentionally like, okay. I don't get in recliner seats and I don't <laughs> lean back. And the, and the four-hour yeah. movie ends and he gets up. He's like, my back. That was, it. I mean, and this is, we're getting off the track of my story here, but that's fine. <laughs> like, all this is part of the experience I had. I walked into the theater and was like, they were like, okay, here are the seats. And... Almost all the seats were taken. I was really surprised. It was just like a, it was a Sunday evening in what was clearly like a tourist trap part mm-hmm. of Fort Worth uh, in Texas. And uh, so it was just like, no, oh, that's weird that there's like a lot of people here. And so I picked a seat that was right next to somebody else. And I asked like all the seats it, from the map that they showed me. It was like, was <laughs> they were so close together and they were like so close to the screen. I was like man, that's, it must be a tiny theater. Like, mm-hmm. this must be really small. And I asked the, the girl behind the counter, I was like, how how close are these to the screen? And she was like, um, maybe like six feet. What? Like six feet? And I'm just like, the only no. seat that I was like, okay, if it's six feet away, I need to sit in the back <laughs> row. Like, but the only thing of it, I picked the furthest seat away that was like on the outside. It was like, and I was like, well, it's right mm-hmm. next to some, like a couple I could see. It was like, but I don't, I don't know. I was like, it'll be fine. So I picked that seat. And when I walk into the theater, it's not six. None of these seats are six <laughs> feet away from the screen. This girl had no idea what she was talking about. And like, I had she no idea. trying to was say like, 60. <laughs> she just 60 feet away from the screen. I don't uh, No, but she said I don't know six what feet. Is. But even the map, like if you look at the map, it's like, this is not to scale at all. It's just, they just were like, how many seats do we have? 40 cool they're all right here okay <laughs> and it's like no so anyway then i realized oh they're all recliners so each row is like f- six feet deep you know and then it's like you got plenty of room so i sat the seats were fine but i still did sit next to this couple it was mm-hmm. like them and me and i was like <laughs> sitting right in the seat next to him because that's the seat i paid for so it was just like hey what's up man so uh felt a little bit like a third wheel but so anyways we're watching this movie um the movie is long uh the movie is uh the pacing is very slow um and it was an interesting group of people that i saw it with because it was like initially there was people talking all that stuff and i thought maybe i don't know i didn't know what to expect with this movie just because it's scorsese i like scorsese but sometimes your theater experience when you see his films in random places is interesting uh, and I was not disappointed. So movie goes on. Uh, a few people left. A few people left early. Uh, not only did the people next to me leave, uh, but I saw other people leave. And so by the time the movie was over, the theater was a lot emptier than it started. Uh, also, all those seats that were taken, mm-hmm. half the people never showed up. So it was, I don't know what's going on with that. So yeah. either they just bought their tickets and never came or yeah, like. I feel like they've they, been doing that at Malco too. Like They just said just, that their receipts were full, but they yeah. weren't. It was weird. So watching the movie and there's a scene in the film uh, where uh, you're going to have to remind me of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's name. Ernest. Ernest. 
Ernest and Molly are talking. Well, no, Molly's the actor, right? No, Molly's the character. Okay, I keep forgetting the next time. Ernest and Molly, uh, DiCaprio and Lily Gladstone. Lily, that's okay. <coughs> was Lily, like, Molly, Molly, yeah. Lily. Molly, Lily. Uh, so Ernest and Molly, uh, I think it's either the first time or the second time that he has been in her home. It's like one mm-hmm. of the early times that she invites him into her home. And they go inside and it starts to rain. And being a gentleman, he walks over to the window to go close the window because it's going to get wet inside. And she stops him, says, no, leave it open. He's a little bit taken aback by that. He's just like, okay. Um, and she says, come and sit. And they both sit on the same side of the table looking towards the window, which is towards the camera. And we're just two shot looking directly at them from on the other side of the table. And they're sitting there and um, she's got her shawl on and she's kind of like pulling it over her shoulders and you can hear the rain outside. You can hear the, a little bit of wind <coughs> picking up. And, you uh, surprised. Sorry. sorry, it was just a very sudden <laughs> cough that I, my body's like, cough now. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, so, take it from window and we can cut that out. Right, yeah. And um, you can see that Ernest is a little bit anxious, like he doesn't know what to do. And... There was a scene earlier in the film with him and um, De Niro, you know, where De Niro is sort of, sort of like cautioning him to not just idly chitter chat, like chitter chat, chit chat, like with uh, with any of the Native American people, because he's like, even though they're quiet, they're not dumb. He's like, they're not, they're listening, and mm-hmm. they they're like, so he's like, don't feel tempted to just fill the silence with what they call blackbird talk, which is just sort of like just talk and then you never know if you're going to say something dumb or or say more than you should you know type of thing and so anyways Ernest starts doing that starts starts talking and he starts uh you know like well I know you sure you don't want the window open all that and then and Molly just says hey don't worry about it like just quiet down he sits there a second longer and then he starts to try and talk again and Molly says no shh like just be still like the storm is like we need to be I don't remember the exact order, but she says something along the lines of like, the storm is powerful. Uh, we need to be quiet and just sit for a while um, and listen or, th- or think or something like that. But it was something along those lines uh, of just kind of like sitting in the moment, taking it in. And you can see Ernest kind of like, this is weird. I'm a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, but eventually after a few moments, he like, he sits there. Uh, and I expected the movie to sit with them but it doesn't it cuts away very quickly it's like one of the few moments in the film that cuts away from something quicker than i expected most of the time in the film it it lets you sit there for a while the shots will hang longer a little bit longer than you expect uh a scene that could probably in any other film be wrapped up in a few moments will drag on for a few minutes i don't use drag on as a negative thing like it's boring it's just the movie just wants you to soak things in it's not slow it's patient exactly yeah that's a good way to put it and again when i use the word slow i don't use that in a negative way but patience a good way to put it so it i just remember being surprised by the fact that we weren't gonna sit i was excited to sit in the moment with them and the movie's like all right next thing and i was like oh man (laughs) It was one of the only moments of the movie that took me out, aside from the guy snoring next to me or anything like that, but like where the movie took me out of the movie. And that was me going, oh, I would have done that differently. Like if I were making this, I would have sat with them. 
and it, I was like, that's unfortunate. Okay, moving on. The movie just went on, and I and I didn't think about it again. So we get to the end of the film. Uh, the credits start to roll. We get that moment at the end with uh, the little radio drama, and then Scorsese comes up, and he says uh, that they're talking about the um, the obituary in the newspaper for Molly's character and how uh, I think the last line he says is the murders were never mentioned. Um, sort of this thing that it's like their story has been, has been condensed down into a, a radio drama for entertainment. Uh, and uh, the main part of their story, the thing that really needed to be remembered was never mentioned. It was like just forgotten uh, or brushed, swept under the rug. And, whitewashed the, the movie i think the i think after that there's another there's the overhead shot of the mm-hmm. the like dancing circle and stuff which is super cool and uh then it goes into some music sort of like uh i think it's like just some osage music people singing and stuff and chanting and uh so at that time the credits start rolling uh people start getting up they start moving away um and then the guys who are working there's two employees that work at the theater. They they roll in like as soon as the credits start. They they got in there. They're with, they got their carts. They start picking stuff up as people are like getting out of the theater. And um, I I remember thinking I just and I I sit through the credits most of the time is just a, a way to kind of like think about it's a time good time to think about the movie. I like to sit there and think about what I've seen, no matter what the movie is, even if it was you know lighter fare. Uh, but I also like to. I, it's a little bit of paying respect to the people who worked on it because there's a lot of people on that, that list and I'm not going to read every name, but I like to be able to just, I don't know, I guess honor them in that way because it's a lot of work. Um, and so I'm sitting there and the I'm thinking about the film. I'm not really sure how I feel about it. Like I enjoyed it, but I'm not really sure how I feel about it. And then the music, at a certain point, the music changes into uh, a light drizzle of rain and then you hear distant thunder roll in and then the music goes away and it you're left with just a light rainstorm with some distant thunder and I was going my ears perked up I was just like oh like he just wants us to sit and just like stay here for a moment and just think about what we just witnessed and I thought like it immediately I realized of just like that's why we cut away so soon like because like that was not the time for it he just wanted to plant that seed so that at the end we understood what was happening and that this was a moment where we needed to sit and really think about what we just saw not pick up your phone and move on to the next thing next form of entertainment and see what's happening on Instagram or on TikTok or whatever and because I could have easily just pulled out my phone and looked at whatever um and uh, started texting because I had like 19 text messages for some reason. So I like there was easily, <laughs> uh, thankfully nothing crazy. It just was group chat stuff. But like I could have easily just disengaged with the story that I just watched and moved on to the next thing. And the film is asking me in a very polite way to not do that and just sit for a moment. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be present here. Um, and the whole, as I'm thinking this, like, the the theater is empty now uh, except for the cleaning guys and they they start doing their stuff they're moving around with these big carts and cleaning stuff up but they're being real 
awkward about it because they, it's like they don't, they don't know what to do because I'm there. Yeah. They, they keep like doing that awkward, like, okay, let me just, oh, oh, uh, okay. And then they move on. Like, it's like very vocal about the fact that, like, oh, I, he's in the way. Uh, what do I do? Uh, thing, which is just, you just clean somewhere else, man. Like, <laughs> there's plenty of places to clean. But they, like, uh, so then they move on and then they're just doing stuff and one of them leaves at one point and, uh, it just, it reminded me a little bit of Ernest in that awkwardness of like, he didn't know what to do. So he's trying to, f- trying to do something. So he's sort of filling the silence. And so like this guy's by himself now and he's just kind of talking to himself. So it's just kind of like, Oh yeah. Okay. All right. You know, whatever, like that kind of thing. And he might've been listening to headphones. I have no idea. I couldn't see but, um, so he rolls his cart up in front of me, in the aisle in front of me. And so I can still see the screen, but he's definitely like there. And I'm sitting there trying to think about the, the movie. And all of a sudden he drops a soda or something that he picked up from somewhere. And he drops it on his shoes and just goes, oh, F. But like, <laughs> doesn't say F. Just yells it so loud. <laughs> and like. It's just, it's like, it felt very, like we were having a moment of silence or you're at like a a graveside funeral and this guy just yells the F-bomb so loud in the, and it's just me and him. And so it's like, okay, (laughs) it made, I like kind of smiled. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. And he just starts like, okay. And then he moves his cart back over to the side and um, you can see he's kind of like cleaning himself up or whatever off to the side. And then a few moments later, his uh, coworker comes back in, walks all the way up to the front of the uh, the theater and turns the, wor- the, the work lights on. So the whole, suddenly the whole theater is very well lit, like with like incandescent, like, you know, humming light. It's just like, like that kind of a thing. It's like, like so bright from dark, complete darkness. Uh, and it's like, oh gosh. And he goes, oh crap. Turns it off immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and so he just like, flash, he just flash bombed me in the middle of the theater. I'm just like, ah, and then lights off again. I was like, okay. And he just sat there and I could hear them whispering like, oh, there's somebody here, man. And he's like, he's like, yeah. We're like, and they started talking quieter <laughs> and I couldn't hear what they're saying. And I'm just sitting there going, do I just leave? Because this is so uncomfortable to like sit here during this time. Clearly they want me to move on because I'm throwing off their routine. Like I'm messing things up by sitting here. And I thought to myself, this is exactly what Scorsese and the filmmakers and the storytellers, everybody that worked on this movie is trying to get across is that it's like, Everybody just wants to just, let's just not think about that. Let's not think about the awful things that happened to these people that, that we let happen to these people that we participated in, um, inflicting on these people. And let's just move on because it's not happening now. Let's just, you know, it's just in the past. Let's just move on. But Scorsese is asking us to like, no, no, sit with it and just experience it for a moment. And so I would like, I sort of doubled down with the fact that like, no, I'm going to stay here for the whole credits. And I, and it was so uncomfortable because I knew that they were just looking at me the whole time waiting for me to leave. 
and uh, finally the credits stopped, and the rainstorm just continues the rest of the time, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. and the then the the lights naturally come up because the theater is <laughs> actually the movie's actually over, and um, I get up and thankfully the guy wa- the guy wasn't mean. He would just he said, "Hey, have a nice day." You know, he wasn't like mad at me or anything for staying. Um, and then I walked back to my hotel, which was like a 15 minute walk and stuff. But I just thought if, I don't know, Robbie, you and I have had interesting experiences at Scorsese movies in the past. I think we've talked about them on the podcast of like, we went to see the movie silence and as the movie opens, if you've seen the movie silence, it's very quiet (laughs) in the very beginning. It's like so quiet that you can hear other movies next to you. Uh, you can well, hear it, everything. It's a crescendo of noises. Yeah. It starts black and it's crickets and mm-hmm. birds and stuff. And it gets like really loud and then goes to nothing. Yeah. And then that's the title card. And it stays quiet for a moment. And yeah. in that quietness, you hear. <laughs> like, like the guy behind us, like has a Coke can for some reason in the movie yeah. theater and then is just chomping on peanut M&Ms. Like that's how quiet it is. I could tell that they were peanut M&Ms <laughs> because you could hear the like crunch, yeah. that light crunch of like the outside shell and then the hard crunch of the peanut. And he just was like chomping on them and drinking this soda. <laughs> like, and you're just like, what is happening right now? <laughs> it's just like, so. Well, one was the was word in Mississippi. Yeah, that was Alabama. Well, no, I mean, that was uh, Tupelo. I was gonna say same same difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and two, yeah. I, I mean, I like those contradictions like that. No, I do too. Yeah. I I think it's funny how I've been to two Scorsese movies that are very clearly asking you to be in a certain state of mind when you're experiencing the film, and so then when you have the exact opposite <clears throat> happen at the same time. Well, yeah, I it's think just it, like this. I is, think this it's is actually an unnatural... helped me. Well, one, it's created a sort of monument in for me where it stands out. Yeah. So I remember those movies very well because of those those things happening, and so I'm actually grateful for them, even though they're like, you know, completely distracting. Well, but. yeah, and it always brings to mind like, like that's not the way the world works. You have to, to be this thoughtful person. You have to not do that normal thing. You have to go against the grind. Yeah. You have to be that one little tiny fish swimming the opposite <laughs> way of the old school fish. But I mean, I like yeah. that I like that stuff will I especially like when life on its own will like point that out to you on its own. Uh-huh. Uh, and that you're telling two stories or two situations where it seemed like it did that. I think I like in situations like that, I'll laugh like usually out loud. Uh, I feel like some people probably think I'm a crazy person because I'll just like I'll be sitting by myself and then just go like. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but it's always stuff like it's always stuff like that or life did something or or something like that to where it's just like completely opposite of how you're told to be, how you're supposed to be, how people want you to be yeah. versus uh, like just trying to exist that way in the middle of everyone else existing in opposite way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, if you see me laughing to myself, yeah, maybe, I mean, you can ask why, but I might just go like, it's too long. <laughs> it's, don't worry. Yeah. That, uh, I'm not crazy. <laughs> Me, me, and Jeremiah watched this because uh, you were in Dallas. Yeah, and our 
we had a really good experience, I think, because it was the two of us, then a guy I know, Jay, and his wife, Alyssa, were sitting, like, in front of us, and then one other dude who's probably, like, my age or a little younger behind us, and we all just, like, watched it, yeah, and, and it we was were like, completely quiet. it was kind of like we quiet. were in a little group to our own yeah. in, a, we, in a huge theater. Yeah, we all kind of acknowledged each other, because I knew the people in front of us, and the guy behind us was alone, and he sat really high, and then he walked down and sat in the row behind kind of me and Jeremiah us, yeah. and said like, I didn't, I thought I was closer on the map uh-huh. kind of thing. So he, it was the five of us like kind of tight together <laughs> and we were silent and like just very, uh, like chill. Yeah. Like yeah. five, five respectful strangers. Yeah. Enjoying a movie yeah, together. All together. Yeah. It was, cool. it was a really, a really fun yeah. little thing. But then my, uh, my second, I've seen it twice. So my second time watching it, I went with, uh, my sister and brother-in-law. Uh, friends of the podcast, I guess. Kaylee and Lolly. Lolly yeah, is. I, yeah, Lolly's. Has Lolly been on? One time, but he has edited. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was Because he, he was on the D&D one. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was on yeah. the So, um, but yeah, the two of them and then our friend Matthew Wiggins, who has been mentioned, I believe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it was, it was Lolly and Wiggins' first Scorsese film they had ever seen. Really? Yes. Wait, like period? Not even period. just in theaters? Mm-hmm. Oh, Ever. Okay. Which is a little embarrassing on my end as they're like <laughs> film educators. <laughs> uh, but Kaylee, Kaylee's seen a handful of Scorsese movies already. Um, but yeah, Lolly was like pissed because there was someone answered a phone call and talked on the phone for 45 seconds. That, that's nice. my number one. During ours. Ooh. Luckily, it was these two older ladies, not old, but like 50 something, maybe early 60s. But, like, very sharp still. And they were up in the back, and they just didn't give a crap. And we were like, gosh, this is the worst. <laughs> like, But, um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I love, there's a lot to be talked about about this movie, but the one thing I came in wanting to share was it was Lolly and Wiggins' first experience with Scorsese movies at all. And when we left the theater, uh, Matthew Wiggins said, he said, when the film ended, I felt bad for Ernest, but if w- I would have clapped if we saw him swinging from a rope. Oh. And I just thought it was very funny because it was like, yeah. yes, that is Scorsese movies. I told him, I said, that's, that's kind of his whole MO. Uh-huh. But just like, because it was such intense wording, but because most people are like, you kind of feel bad for Ernest, but you also kind of don't kind of thing. But the way yeah. he was like, I've properly felt bad for him. But I also kind of wanted to watch them, like him die, like kind yeah. of thing. You know, I heard uh, I, that is something I appreciate about Scorsese as well. Is you mentioned this, Robbie, in a conversation we had uh, like a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you were, if this was your statement or if this was something that Scorsese has said. Yeah. But I, I have thought of it as so. If it's yours, then you know, it's props to you because it's stuck with me. Um, but I, you said something about how like he he handles these characters he introduces you to characters that are imperfect people uh and from this perspective you know you and i were talking about scorsese films in uh, from the perspective of of a of how christ views people yes and and where you know in the bible christ talks about how we need to love our enemies uh and you, you know, we talked about how Scorsese's films, they tend to feel like he is wrestling with 
with faith in some way, some aspect mm-hmm. of, of his faith or just faith in general. And um, telling each story he tells is not, like he's telling stories about a lot of awful people. Not every movie he does, but mm-hmm. a lot of movies, he the main characters are not yeah. good people. And when they're awful, um, they're awful. When they're awful, they're awful. And you, uh, there's sort of this question that's being asked of like, even this person, Lord? And the mm-hmm. answer is always, yes, even that person. And I I really liked that insight because it. I love stuff like that. I, mm-hmm. I love how counterculture Jesus was. It's like my favorite thing about Jesus is that he just like, there was a very established way of life and how you did things and how faith worked in his, like when he was around. And so for him to come in and be like, hey, this faith that like you thought you understood completely like there's more nuance to it there's more to it and i'm going to show you what that means and it's going to be very different and uncomfortable mm-hmm. um i like all that because it's like a continuous invitation into this like discomfort that will change not only you but change your environment mm-hmm. uh for the better uh, i like looking at scorsese's movies through that lens um because there's so much invitation into uncomfortable uncomfortable situations they're entertaining you know but at the same time it's you know he's asking you to join him uh in both maybe celebrating and condemning certain characters uh Mm -hmm. but but asking you to sympathize with them you know you said wiggins said that he felt bad for him but also would be happy to see him pay for his crimes (laughs) I think I, I, I again. I'm. This is anecdotal, so I, I don't know for sure. Uh, a friend of mine uh, has read the book that this movie is based on, mm-hmm. and he has not seen the movie, and he was disappointed that he was like, "Yeah, I heard they do it differently in the movie." He he's very much like he wants his adaptations to be exact copies. He doesn't want mm. any changes whatsoever. Yeah, uh, if there's any changes, he he's not happy with it. Um, that's a whole another conversation, but. So well, just think, knowing that that's, that's where he's even three people like, well, three protagonists can, and three parts. My, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, rega- that's, that's kind of beside <laughs> the, not sorry, not what you're saying, but, but his approach I think is important to understand him, but yeah. it's not important for this conversation. We can talk about the differences after Later. Randy's yeah, done. After yeah. I'm done. Uh, so, but his whole thing was that he was like, yeah, it, the book is more of a mystery. Like you don't know what's going on and mm-hmm. it's revealed slowly and you figure out, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, this guy has like been doing all this stuff and everything. And it's like interesting because in the movie, it's not a mystery. Mm-hmm. It's very clear who is doing the killings even before the movie tells you who's doing it. It's the movie's just kind of like, you know, you, you know, who's doing this. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so the movie takes this, instead of choosing to have uh, the story be told from the perspective of the victims, the, the story is being told from the perspective of the, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Perpetrator. Yeah. And so like we're, the people that are doing the bad stuff, like we're on the same, on, we're on in the their, same room with them. Well, like we're, we're in their conversations. Too. We're on their side. Like the movie wants us to like, we want Ernest to like, succeed in whatever he's doing we expect 
because we're Americans and we understand how our stories normally work, we expect this to be, uh, uh, I mean, even the movie, they tell him like, hey, don't go native on me. Like we expect this to be a story of a man who's gone native and he's going to like stand with the tribe instead of his people and mm -hmm. stuff. And that doesn't happen. Like, like it kind of does, but not really. Yeah. Like he's, he's this person who, who loves his wife. I think he genuinely loves his wife, but also has this strange duty to his uncle that is like supersedes his love for his wife, mm -hmm. uh, at least in action. In his words, he's constantly talking about like, no, 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 I love my wife. I love my wife. But his actions say the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it's this weird contradiction that you have to like juggle yeah. and balance with the whole time. And I, I love that. It's great. Yeah. That's another traditional Scorsese theme Yeah, is what people say versus what they do. But yeah. I would love to take credit for that, but that was Scorsese. <laughs> Did yeah. he actually say that? Okay. Uh, no, what, not what I just said, but what you, no, no, I know our earlier. conversation previously. Yeah. yeah. So he, well, even still, I, it, I believe it was an interview with him and a priest talking about silence. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think that's where it was. But he basically said that, like, at his age, that's basically how he views his career. Like, the lens he views his work as a whole through is uh, the the quote you just said. Uh -huh. Is the, like, like, even this Lord? Yeah. Kind of thing. And then he says, like, it's infuriating, but that's where... Jesus is pushing us, uh, uh, is what, like his exact words at the end of that quote. But, um, yeah, so that's a very interesting thing is, uh, Jeremiah, you're also welcome to jump in at any point, I guess. <laughs> but the, uh, so He's the inviting book, you to I interrupt the, him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like, like, I feel like Randy's talked a lot, which I is a good thing because he said a lot of good stuff. But I feel like I'm about to talk a lot, and so I just feel like <laughs> that was your chance, Jeremiah. You better get in. Or well, no, even the even the last time it was me and Randy, we talked about how I talk to invite long conversations. Yeah, but I I am succinct. I don't talk for a long time. Yeah, but the so this movie is called Killers of the Flower Moon because it's based on the book called Killers of the Flower Moon. But the movie we actually got is basically a mixture of adapting that book and a, di I forgot what it's called, but a different book written from a Native American perspective on the same story or like thing that happened. See, that's interesting because I saw a couple of interviews with some Osage natives yes. who were saying like they wanted it to be less... Uh, Less what it was and more Osage point of view. Yeah. But that's you're, one. You're even saying it, it literally half was. Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting is the the Osage people's reaction to the movie is interesting because a lot of them love it and then some of them don't love it. But all the reactions I've seen of people that don't love it are not a simple like, yeah, this is bad. I wish he hadn't done this. It's a very nuanced like ideally I would have liked this more, but I don't know if Marty could have done that mm. kind of thing. But like or, what he did if, is even still Even if it's good. his place. Yeah, too, exactly. Know? So one of the, uh, one of the language consultants on the red carpet at the premiere basically talked about his very, not binary, simple critique, but his very nuanced mixed feelings about the movie. 
And some people were talking about like why it sucks on Twitter and stuff because of that. <laughs> and everyone else was like, well, if you took his, uh, this, this man was free to say that he was at the premiere and no one shut him down. Like it kind of speaks highly of the team that it's like, yeah, he's allowed to say this at the premiere for the, cause that's how he feels about it kind yeah. of thing. But, um, so originally Scorsese read the book when it came out and him and DiCaprio, uh, options the book as quickly as they could because they both really wanted to make it a, m- a movie. And the book is like told as a mystery with Tom White, the FBI agent, being like your main POV character. Okay. I haven't read the book, but that's what I've heard. Um, And so Scorsese and Eric Roth wrote the screenplay or wrote drafts of a screenplay like that. And they kept feeling like something was missing. And this is where Paramount was paying for this pre-production and Paramount was going to be the people making it. Uh And Paramount was like, this script is awesome. But Scorsese and Eric Roth were like, yeah, but like this has been done. Uh Like this is just, this is a mystery exploiting a tragedy where the audience is just like, who did it kind of thing. And they're like, that's not terrible, but like it's been done. Why would we, why do another movie like that? And so the two of them is uh, DiCaprio, who is like the executive producer at the, at least like the main producer at the time. Um, the, the three of them talked about it a ton and they were like, we don't really know. It's just not right. And Paramount was like, we're ready to go. This script's awesome. And they're like, no, it's not right. Something's wrong. And at this point it was De Niro or DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio was playing Tom White, the FBI agent, and uh-huh. Jesse Plemons was going to play Ernest, the minor character, who's just a key witness at the end. Yeah. And then um, something, Scorsese went and spent several hours meeting with the Osage leaders at like a council early on when they were like working on the script. And he was basically asking their permission if he could make the movie and any insight they would give him. And there was like, a, he said he thought it was going to be like a 20 minute meeting initially, but he was there for like two and a half hours or something. Oh, well. uh, and he said a lot, of, some of them were like hesitant and they were like, this doesn't need to be, this doesn't need to be the departed or good fellows at mm-hmm. a murder mystery of like, oh, who's doing it? And he said a few people there had seen silence and they were like, no, if he silences this, it'll be great. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, they were like, we like the other stuff, but no, like if he, yeah, don't make this the departed, but if you make it silence, then we trust you kind of thing. Mm. And someone who was there, who is, um, I think literally like Ernest and Molly's like great granddaughter or something like someone who's directly related to Ernest and Molly's children, uh, told Scorsese, she said, one thing you have to remember though is they actually loved each other. Um, like they were actually in love and Scorsese said that stuck with him. And he was like wild because he said, objectively just looking at the events, uh-huh. you don't get that out of it. You're like, this guy sucks. Why? Like it was just a long con kind of thing. And so talking about the script, um, De Niro, not De Niro, DiCaprio. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> Leo, <laughs> Leo was talking to Marty about this later and he was like what do you think what do you think is like the heart of this story that we're missing 
And Scorsese said, well, it's really about the couple. It's about Molly and Ernest. And Leo basically having the same kind of thought was like, call me crazy. I think I should play Ernest instead of Tom. And Scorsese was like, that's an idea. So him and Eric Roth just like put the script in a blender uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and like completely redid it where it's fr- like from the inside out instead of the outside in as a mystery. It's uh-huh. like, oh, we know what's happening kind of thing. And so then Jesse Plemons and Leo just switched, switched roles, <laughs> um, which I, I love the, uh, yeah, like 36 year old Jesse Plemons telling, uh, 48 year old yeah. Martin Scorsese <laughs> calling him son yeah. <laughs> or not Martin Scorsese, Leo DiCaprio. Gosh, it's too many names. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So then they, there's another book that they stumbled upon that they read and isn't really an, a, adaptation of that book but just like that book influenced what the movie became a great deal um because it was told more from that perspective instead of it being a mystery story about how the fbi came in and fixed it but then kind of botched it at the same time like they came in and found out what happened and then got like very few people held accountable for what happened yeah but which uh, yeah, it's just so good. Well, yeah, I mean, you're saying not a mystery to me. It still is, though. It's about how or why wh- why loving a person would you still do this? And it's yeah, yeah. I mean, he's being played for. He's being manipulated. He fears his uncle. Uh, he definitely doesn't want the violence, and you don't even see any of the violence until. They go to the Freemason uh, house, and then you're like, oh, is he about to, like, cut his hand off? Like, what is that? Well, you see the violence, but you don't see them do the violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. The violence to Ernest. Yeah. Like, instead of just, like, a nonverbal threat, even. uh, I get what you're saying. The whole time, you're like, why would Ernest even be doing any of this? Yeah. Yeah. that I will give you that it is a mystery. It's not a plot mystery. Yeah, yeah. It's a story but mystery. But I'm saying they didn't yeah. write it as a mystery. But to me, it's still kind of yeah. Is it's the uh, the what happens the A to B to C of the movie isn't a mystery. But the like, why would this character do yeah. this? Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Uh, the the Osage guy on the red carpet was kind of mad about was that it was played like he still loved her. Yeah. And it was like, obviously, he didn't love her. And I was like, well, obviously, he kind yeah. of did. Like- that is the interesting thing, is that, yeah, the way the way he articulated that he doesn't think there's love there, that there these things can happen and there'd be love there, is, like, valid. But he also has a descendant of the couple telling Marty to be like, yeah, put that in the movie, because they actually did love each other. And that honestly is why the movie we got is so interesting i think is that it is like how how could someone feel so strongly in these two different directions kind of thing yeah and yeah i uh i mean to me something that's even more interesting not to downplay that side of things at all but yeah (laughs) 
Uh, but I'm going to tell Hold you. on, hold on. This is way more. What I'm about to say is so much more interesting than what gonna, you said. Uh, don't you dare, um, Randy. Don't you dare. Uh, no. So, Ernest, like, that whole question of, like, does he actually love her because his actions are saying one thing and his mm-hmm. his words, he's saying something else with his words. Um, Is Molly continuing to love him even though she knows that he's yeah. poisoning her? Yes. Like, yep. she asks him. She wants to have him tell her the truth. But you know she knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, early on she knows. And mm-hmm. she still trusts him even though she, know, she, she knows that he's, yeah. he's being manipulated, that he's being dumb because she loves him still. She's even, I mean, the movie ends with her, it's like them kind of looking like they part ways. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I think it's, is the last time they see each other, she's like in the courtroom and then leaves. Uh, no, or is not it the, a courtroom. Uh, I, I don't remember. I'm just, so yeah, the ending. Yeah. The ending's incredible to me because yes, all what you're talking about is very, a big part. Um, sorry. So the, the last scene before the radio drama epilogue uh-huh. is post trial or like during the trial wrapping up they meet in like a back room of the courthouse like a conference room yes and she basically asks him she's like like have you so like have you said everything Uh like are is it all out because earlier in the movie she basically talks about that it's like like it's like we bottled up all your secrets and threw like washed them down the river Uh kind of thing so like like we just got rid of all of this and moved on and so she gives him that opportunity Cause she's still with him. She's watching him testify that his brother who gives her a ride to the courthouse <laughs> killed her sister. Yeah. And he like knew about it. He hired the people that killed her other sister and her brother-in-law and like all this stuff. And she's still going and watching and she's like, okay, Ernest, have you said everything? Cause uh-huh. she knows the one thing he hasn't said. Right. Yeah. And he, she's like, have you said everything? And he's like, yes. And that's where she's like, okay, now I'm out. Yeah. It's like, I can, if you tell me everything, I'll stay. But like, there's, this is the big one kind of thing. The, what you did directly to me uh-huh. and he can't say it. And so then she stands up and walks out of the room and then it cuts to a wide shot and just sits for like, kind of a, a good second of Ernest just sitting at the table and Tom White standing in the corner. And then it cuts to Tom White and he's just like, dang, <laughs> like kind of the, and then uh-huh. I think it dissolves, not cuts to the audience and they start clapping and you're like, what the frick? Yeah. yeah. I, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't she, doesn't she ask him directly? Yes. Like, what did you put? In yes, she says, what did you put in the insulin? Yeah, and he's like, insulin. Yeah. And, that's, and then she gets mm-hmm. up and, yeah. So, yeah, it's giving him an opportunity to to confess, to open up about everything, and yet he doesn't, he st- stays. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm still thinking about that. Like, why would you lie at that point? What do you have... What do you get out of it other yeah, I, than like? I mean, why, no, do, why does anybody like well, double it, down on any sort of deception in real life? Like that stuff happens all the time. Yeah. People will just like they want to, you know. It's that whole, uh, you know, 
as a kid, you tell, uh, I mean, not as a kid, as I guess well, as any, I mean, as a human being. No, it you, really feels like a kid you, and a mom. You got like, caught. She obviously knows. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like you get caught, uh, you know, uh, a friend of mine got caught smoking weed. Okay. When we were in high school. Okay. <laughs> Sick. Oh man. I just, no, I've, I've only been, I just got into it. Just started the thing. Oh, this, I'm feel so bad. I feel so bad. You know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what? Hey, what? Like, don't worry about it. Like, yeah. we're going to be okay. Like, we're just going to make sure we don't do it again. And it's like, this guy's been smoking weed for years. Like, it's like, <laughs> like he's been sneaking pot into the high school forever. Like this guy, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's willing to admit a little bit of the lie so mm-hmm. that, He's forgiven, but not the whole thing. And I think that's the situation. Well, I also there. feel like, like what's interesting. It's like, <clears throat> I guess the way I view it, I don't know, is uh, not. It doesn't excuse Ernest's actions, but I think Ernest Ernest is in denial. Yeah, because he's in denial because if he admits what he's been doing, he has to live with that. Yeah, to himself. Yeah, like just true. saying it out loud. Like I was poisoning my wife. And I knew it. I didn't know what the poison was necessarily. Yeah, maybe it's straight up denial. Yeah. But yeah. But because it, once again, it's like, I'm not trying to let him off the hook and make him too sympathetic, but he He's also He's rationalizing is, his yeah. actions because I love my wife. Yeah. I I would not hurt my mm-hmm. wife. Yeah. You know. He's like, I wanted you to be well. Because he's like genuinely excited yeah. that she's well. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Honestly, it's so... It made me so angry when they took her away and got her good care and how mm-hmm. quickly she yes. got well again. Mm-hmm. It was so, it made me like my skin crawl because it was just like yeah. how <laughs> awful it must have been to be in that state for her to like unable to like get out mm-hmm. of the sickness, you know? I don't know. It's like being in Mississippi, just sick <laughs> all the time. And it's like, you know, as soon as if I, you would as just sh- if someone would just take me even out to of Alabama. Mississippi, I would suddenly realize, <laughs> wow, I don't, that's not normal. I don't have to live like that. Oh my God. I, mean, di- I don't not. feel like I'm dying to breathe. <laughs> when you're, when you're, when you're born here, you're just used to you're it. You're just used to it. You don't I'm know. You don't know the, the truth. You're right. You just, you just, this is it. It makes you hard. Uh, speaking of that, I don't know if you could hear my voice is like slowly disappearing because my nose is filling up. <laughs> I'm getting so. Oh, I'll be same. right back. I'll be right back. I didn't so. take a decongestant. <laughs> I showered before I came, but I didn't take a decongestant. So the longer we talk, that's on you. That's on you. It's your fault. I'm I mean, over I, here. I remember. I remember the pet rock, but I didn't remember. <laughs> I, hey, it's important. Thing. I'm over here doing perfectly fine. Yeah, <laughs> you think? You think? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just, just this. I'm just used normal. to it. How weird would it be if like? We got you out of Mississippi for like a month, okay? Yeah. So you had time to acclimate, <laughs> yeah. and you you sounded completely different. I like uh, my voice, voice was different. so. Yeah. You're like, holy crap! This is what it feels like to breathe. I didn't when know. I went to That's school funny. in Texas. When Jeremiah went to school in Texas, mm-hmm. he didn't take allergy anything for two years. Yeah, <laughs> me, the the dude who came, like two years. I didn't take a pill. How did that? What? <laughs> I hate the state. <laughs> you went soft. <laughs> That's why it's worse now that you're back. That's yeah. No, when I came back, Mississippi was like, you, you went soft. soft. <laughs> yeah, seriously. There's yeah. this scene in, in um, The Prestige where he talks about how he goes up to, he's uh, he's going to Colorado to like for the, uh, 
for the air, like the air yeah. quality, like going there. And I well, there's no oxygen there, you're right? <laughs> uh, for the lack of air, he's going there. Uh, but he's going there for the the weather, the climate. So yeah, it's like and at the time of hearing that I was younger and I didn't understand, I was like, well, why would the weather help him get better? But yeah. whatever, uh, I understand. Now. Mm-hmm. So that is a uh, yeah. Used to people would like move out west, like yeah. to New Mexico and Arizona and stuff. Cause yeah. yeah. Well, cause there, there is oxygen there the air, is. in Colorado. The air is super clean. You just don't have any oxygen in the air. <laughs> You're like, I can't breathe. There's no, have we're you, higher, you, we're you, higher than humans should be. Have you spent like two weeks Yeah, up high and then come back down yeah. here? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm feeling, like, I feel like I'm breathing just like, and then, yeah. like, well, like I'm done like really quick. It's that, awesome. That sounded like I was snorting something, but like, just like. And then you're done. Yeah, like, you don't have to breathe anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two. I don't think I've ever spent two weeks, but I've spent. I've been gone over a week multiple times to Colorado and out and then west. Just come back, and you're like, mm-hmm. it's so easy to breathe. Yeah, Colorado. Colorado's pretty, but I'm like, I literally. It makes me angry trying to breathe. <laughs> I'm like, I'm. So, <laughs> I, There's not enough air in this air. <laughs> I live 200 feet above sea level. This five thousand feet crap is nonsense. <laughs> it needs to get out of here. Straight like, up nonsense. Which also is crazy. Just thinking about changes in elevation is wild to me. How drastic elevation changes. Yeah, even at like a couple thousand feet. Yeah, like we don't notice. I guess if you look at like topographical, that's what it's called, right? Maps. Yeah. Of the U.S., it's way more extreme than you would ever think. Even driving. In a car, like, up, oh, yeah. like if you're driving from, like, uh, you know, through, like, the top of Texas and then, like, uh, New Mexico and then up into Colorado, you're like, we're going <laughs> uphill, but it's not that crazy. And then you look and it's like, oh, we, like, are ten times higher than we were before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, like, that's stupid. Even driving, uh, we're, like, 200 feet above sea level. Something and like uh, if we drive two hours east to Birmingham, it's, like, a 1,000 feet above sea level or almost i think it's like 900 and so but like you don't feel like that driving uh uh-uh. you don't feel like you're going up yeah you go you're going up and down hills because it gets a lot the second you get across the state line it's like the ground <laughs> just gets bumpier but you're going up and down they hills but, yeah. anywhere, yeah. but it feels normal like it doesn't it feels like every hill you go up you go back, go down, back down the same yeah. amount but you get way higher. <laughs> Every hill is like another 10 feet. And you yeah. just never see it, never feel it. I wonder what the like, I was just thinking about it. It's like we're like 200 feet above sea level. New Orleans is like a dozen feet below sea level or so. Maybe more than that. But it's below it's sea level. something like that, yeah. Uh, Then... Uh, what's the what's the ideal height for like oxygen to air oxygen in the air ratio in terms of because like New Orleans gets crazy humid because of that reason it's like the well it's also like near the equator kind of swampy yeah uh I mean I don't know that there would be. I guess it's just personal preference. Yeah, you would just kind of get used to it. But if if there is there a scientific ideal for the human body of like amount of moisture in the air versus just like how thin or 
not thin the air is based I mean, on your height. Probably the less moisture, the better. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then it's like, yeah, but the less moisture, the better. But as long as, with, as long as oxygen is around twenty percent, I don't yeah. know that your body would care a lot. It just needs the oxygen to attach a carbon to. Yeah, you know? I just know if I when I spend time in Colorado, I get out of breath so easy. Yeah, like I can't walk yeah. upstairs in Colorado. And, but then you, but then like you're tr- that's training the whole time you're there, and it's then true. you come back and you're like, oh, yeah. I got this. Yeah, I can walk up three flights of stairs. You just kind of take sips of air <laughs> when you get back, and you're like, just sipping so much oxygen. <laughs> well, my body doesn't even need this right now. Yeah, how high? What we were talking about uh, elevation of places. How high is uh, Merced and like? Th- I don't there. know. <clears throat> I can look it up though. How high is LA? Like actual, like downtown and like downtown and Echo Park and stuff like that compared to Santa Monica. Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how quickly you like go uh, it's up. 300 feet above sea level. About us. About yeah. an us. Well, you know, 33% higher than us. <laughs> I mean, below. About an us. And my hometown is 171 feet above sea level. Mm. About so what this? was 300? L.A. L.A. is 300? Good God. Yeah. You do go up. Yeah. Like, it's like kind of nestled in this little mountainous Yeah. Area. I mean, I've driven, not driven, district. I've ridden in a car from the ocean to like Echo Park. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about, I certainly didn't realize we were climbing that high. Yeah. I wonder, so like. Um, you went to Santa Monica, right? Yeah, you guys were so. theoretically the ocean sea level, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. Apparently, Santa Monica, though, in general, Apparently, is one hundred and five. Theoretically, the ocean is sea level. <laughs> Not anymore. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If the ocean is rising, does the sea level rise, or do we just have a like sea level, quote yeah. unquote? Sea levels is now like twenty this, feet uh, below, is above sea level. Yeah, they're gonna have to update sea level. <laughs> I knew like, when I was standing on the pier, I knew we were above the water. I didn't know we were one hundred twenty feet above the water. <laughs> it doesn't look that high, but it, it's. I thought it, I thought it was pretty close. It was like fifteen. Feet, call out to so. strangers, like, are we at sea level right now? <laughs> I, that's a good question. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so you're from lower than we are now. Yeah. That's true. weird. <laughs> so there's less oxygen here and more water in there. <laughs> and pollen and crap. Just, yeah. Just pollen. That's that's an interesting thing I think about just in general is uh, I feel like there's, I should preface with, humans are currently doing lots of damage to the environment. And... uh should do less but having said that i feel like there's a sentiment that like nature's perfect <laughs> like nature's just fine not. and not bad for itself and it's like guys there's stuff in nature that just is bad like yeah you know cow farts are there's w- more cow farts now but cow farts have always been bad <laughs> for the air you know wild cows just out in out in about they're still bad for the air quality. Like, so that's the thing is, uh, there's a pollen a still makes it hard in, for everything to breathe. There's a line in Jurassic Park, the book, where um, Ian Malcolm, the character of Ian Malcolm, yes, 
played by Jeff Goldblum in the movie. Wonderfully. Uh, is, uh, <laughs> is talking about how you're looking at this though all the wrong way. Mm-hmm. He's like, yes, this would impact uh, the quality of life for us not, negatively. Not for, yeah, but the, the world yeah. will continue to exist. Like mm-hmm. we humans are not going to destroy Earth. They're going to destroy themselves or Earth for us. Yeah. yeah. But Earth is going to keep going. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and life will find a way and stuff will happen, but we won't be there. Yeah. He's like, and that's the thing that we're doing. He's like, mm-hmm. don't think that you're so like that. Yeah. What you're doing is going to like destroy, you know, the planet. The planet's going to be fine. Yeah. Or, like, or like, or like a return to nature is like a positive thing for humanity. No. A return to nature would be like, okay, wildfires, destru- like destruction is a part of that nature that you live in. And then like new stuff comes out of the ash of the stuff that was completely destroyed Mm -hmm. but uh you don't want to be part of the destruction process because you're you're destroyed (laughs) yeah (laughs) i forgot there's a balance that needs to be had obviously we can do better about like you know yeah there's things that we're doing that are ruining stuff that for no reason no good reason i guess you know I think yeah. There's Our an in- survival. Gotta get that oil. Time. Gotta get that oil. Can't let the Osage keep it. You know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. <laughs> there's an interesting balance of uh, it to me. There's an interesting balance of like humans being like good stewards of the planet, uh-huh. but then also uh, humans have the ability to make things better than like there's a sentiment that it's like if humans were gone, everything would just be better. And it's like, well, no, an orchard grows more apples than what apple trees do occurring naturally. If like, if you, if humans give it order and take care of them, it can make nature do natural things better. Mm-hmm. But currently humans yeah, but are just growing more apples doing better. It's only better for us. That's true. Yeah, I mean, but like, sure. But at the same time, it's like you can, Somebody caring for a plant. Yes. And uh, if, I don't know, obviously there's so many perspectives. You can look at it from different ways, so it's whatever. <laughs> Life, but like humans <laughs> and or animals can team up with plants. There is potential. And make it do its thing yes. more yeah. without causing negative effects. It's just like the thing it does, it do yeah. more and better. But then humans also just don't care and do things that are bad for the planet. And there's an interesting balance to all that. It's like humans can harness nature to do better than without it being harnessed, but we also abuse nature greatly. And that's, that's called bad. a GMO, and those are bad. <laughs> yeah, I heard it on the radio. I forgot her name. There's a woman who's like a philosopher, and she was trying to write a book and went out into nature because, you know, nature's perfect and better, <laughs> and, like, everything's good, and we humans go in and ruin everything true. and stuff. And she was, like, at this cabin... And she watched a, uh, uh, like a grasshopper, um, eat like dismember and eat a different another bug like a beetle or something, and she was just horrified because <laughs> she was like, "Oh, this is what happens in nature." <laughs> it's and it all like, dead. yeah, like she ended up writing a completely different book than she was like trying to because she was like, "My whole perspective has been changed on just like how everything works." Yeah. She's like, like nature yeah. is good, but it's like not. I feel like <laughs> nature's like neutral. It's like, I feel like the people, the-, the people who put nature on a pedestal and act like it's perfect, haven't spent a lot of time out in nature. No, 
It's the same way people people who are like get mad at people hunting and stuff. It's yeah. like deer don't die natural deaths. <laughs> deer don't die of old age. You know, deer, deer starve to deer death. Deer are immortal, right? You know yeah. that, right? They don't. If we don't kill them, they will overrun the planet. I say this. <laughs> they're they're to gonna kill. team up yeah. with kangaroos if they ever figure out across the ocean. Oh we're God, screwed. we are screwed. <laughs> yeah, it's like white-tailed deer don't die of old age. They starve. They get sick and die of disease, or they get eaten by something else. Being shot into the head is one of and dying instantly is pretty good way to go for a white-tailed deer. Ooh, I was on Jolly. But you got to be careful because you can't shoot all the white-tailed deer, or that would be bad. But sometimes <laughs> we have to shoot the white-tailed deer, white-tailed deer because there's too many of them. Oh, I saw one on Jolly who had a. It ran out in front of another car trying to get on and follow me. Yep. And then it ran out in front of me, and as it turned away from me, I saw an arrow. It was like through it and then over its spine and then back out the other side and like its skin was like peeling further and further up it was just like an open wound on both sides and it oh just kill that thing oh god it's so bad and then it like ran off and then it ran and then i was like okay i can go and then it went appeared in front of my car again (laughs) (laughs) and i'm sitting there watching the arrow like it's galloping and the arrow's just going that that deer was suicidal. That's yeah. why. It maybe maybe that was it. It was like, please. I swear, there's there's so many animals just pop out in front of your car here. It's I so promise dumb. they're trying to end it. <laughs> uh, dude, squirrels in my neighborhood will get on the road and yes. then just run, like run parallel with the road, and you're like, that's the one. Mm-hmm. That's the one direction you can't run. <laughs> Well, like animals, they'll run, but yeah, parallel beside the road with no cars. They're just going straight. Then a car drives up and they're like, I'm going to walk in front of it. Right. It's like right about now, now, I'll go now. They just saw a window of opportunity and were like, I've been here too long. Oh, man. I feel bad. The I, I feel terrible every time I run over frogs because I feel like that's what happens the most. I, I feel don't like a, I feel like squirrels. Though maybe it's just yeah. I mean. Well, I mean, for me personally, I've never killed a squirrel. I've never hit a deer. Like I've never hit a squirrel or a deer. Um, I've hit a rabbit once and cried, a lot. Um, like just like a full on bunny crossing the road, and yeah. I couldn't get up. I couldn't not hit well, it. One time delivering pizza, it was like midnight, and some idiot on uh. Military Road had just mm-hmm. let their dog out, mm-hmm. and it was like Dang. this little puppy, and it's it just like, like, there's nothing I could do about it. It literally just looked up at my car like, light, and then it was like, Ka-choo! and I was like, man, why, like, why would you, don't, keep dragging your dog, like, let him out in the front yard, don't make me feel bad, because you're dumb. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt bad for a week, because... Because you let your dog out. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that to me? Don't do that to people. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I've killed one rabbit and probably a hundred frogs and toads. Oh, you know, the, you know what they the just law hop is, out. right? What? Like if, if it's not going to damage your car, you're supposed to run over it. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they'd rather you not well, swerve into yeah. traffic. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, less, yeah, yeah. So. Just, I mean, for yeah. for people had, listening at home, I hit a raccoon. you're supposed to run over yeah. it if it's not going to damage your car. I hit a raccoon once because Even of a situation like that where 
Well, yeah, it definitely damaged my car. My goodness. Like, it was just a raccoon, but it freaking took my headlight out. Oh, sick. Um, yeah, so that would be like a swerve. <laughs> it was. Well, no, but I... I so, mean, legally. Yeah, you, I could not can. swerve, yeah. though, because of the timing. So it was nighttime. I, I did not see the raccoon until it was, like, right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were cars in the other... It was a two-lane road, so there were cars in oncoming traffic. So I could not swerve to the left because I would have hit, hit another car head on. Yeah. Uh, it was like perfect timing. They came up right at the same time I did. And I could not swerve to the right because the right side of the road was trees. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't, it wasn't like there was a nice shoulder where I could have pulled over. It was just like I was out in the middle of the country and there's just woods right there. So I would have either run into a tree or run into a person. So I was like, I just got to keep going. And I just, boom, hit that thing. And yeah. it just like busted my headlight. So. That. My grandfather. It, it, it wanted it. It, it timed it. And it yeah. Like, my grandfather. I didn't know there yeah. was like laws about it, but my grandfather either worked at or owned and operated a body shop for like 40 years. And he's always been like, he had four grandchildren and told all of them. He was like, hit it. He said, he said, slam on your brakes all day long, but never turn your wheel if there's an animal in front of you. He said it's going to be way worse for your car and say more dangerous for you and more dangerous for anyone else on the road if you try to move out of the way. He said slam on your brakes and if that wasn't enough then it's too bad kind of thing. Even if it like wrecks your front end. He said it's way safer. Slam on your brakes. Never turn your wheel. Mm. I'd be scared of like any a deer animal just like coming through. You just have that chance. Like you turn your wheel too fast and then you try to overcorrect and mm-hmm. people flip. and Yeah, and you run into other people yeah. and run other people off the road if you don't hit them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You it, get that like weird. That I've been day. behind people who have like swerved suddenly and then you're like, oh God, like mm-hmm. what did they just try to get out of the way of? <laughs> yeah. And so you swerve because, and then it's just a mess. Yeah. <clears throat> what? Why are we swerving? Yeah. But that's, I mean, I've. I've slammed on my brakes a lot and not killed an animal and been like, whew, that was close. Glad that didn't happen. But yeah, never, never turn your wheel away. Yeah, sucks. But if a squirrel wants to go out, (laughs) I'll be its way to heaven. I forgot who it was. I feel I heard someone talk about they were like they were like, I swear to God, I've watched a squirrel climb a, a tree really high and then just jump <laughs> like, like, i swear this dude just like spread eagle hit the ground like oh man yeah not high enough gosh that's funny i feel like yeah back to the movie i feel like we talked about the end but the end is just like the whole movie's good but i feel like the ending will be talked about the ending of the movie, I think, is why the movie will get brought up for decades mm-hmm. and decades of people talking about movies. Because uh, the first time watching the movie, the second he said he was like insulin and she stood up and walked out of the room. I was like, oh, the movie's over. Because I was like, I was terrified because I was like, there's so many loose ends we have to wrap up. But this this is the ending. Mm-hmm. Like nothing else. This is the end of the movie. Story's over. Stop kind of thing. And so then it cut to the shot, the wide shot. And I was like, please credits, please credits. And then it cut to Jesse Plemons. And I was like, okay. And then it dissolves and is a crowd clapping. And I was like, what the frick? 
(laughs) (laughs) And so, and then it was just like, it simultaneously is a way more interesting and entertaining and better way of wrapping everything up than just text on screen kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But also like recontextualizes the whole movie and you watching it as Mm -hmm. like, this is what we do to tragedies. Like it is just a podcast for your way to work now kind of thing. And then we go from that. And then Scorsese says, there's no mention of the murders. Mm -hmm. And then we get a shot of like the modern Osage people. And it's like, so we're left with watching the people that it's not a murder podcast that they listen to on the way to work. But it's like, something that happened to them that they are never not thinking about. Cause it was a hundred years ago. Like, yeah, it's really good. Also, you get to see Jack White do a uh, racist, uh, caricature voices. <laughs> that. Someone, um, Oh, that's a, I don't know why there's just like a disproportionate amount of, quote-unquote country music are just like early American music artists in this movie that aren't actors but are just in it because mm. uh, Jack White, Jason Isbell is like a big role and is really good. He's um, Bill, the guy that gets blown up and marries <sighs> the two different sisters. He's mm. This is his first time acting. Interesting. He's just a country singer. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, and that he's so good, like him talking to DiCaprio, uh, and being like, "Did I do something to offend you?" <laughs> and DiCaprio's like, "I just don't like you." Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "He's like something about uh, taking care of someone." He's like, oh, "Is that your brother's job?" Like uh-huh. kind of thing. <laughs> um, like he just like says to in front of him, he's like, "Yeah, your brother kills people." <laughs> like. Yeah. But, um, and then Sturgill Simpson was the rodeo moonshine guy. Uh-huh. And then Pete Thorne is the lanky dude that we talked about. Okay. The lanky dude, I forgot his name. Um, one of the witnesses at the end who asks the lawyer if he, um, adopted his kids and they got murdered. Uh, if he would get their, like, mm-hmm. their money and oil rights and stuff. And the lawyer was like, you know, you're telling me. You're incriminating yourself. You're telling me that's what you plan on doing. And he's like, well, not if it's not legal. Yeah. Uh, That's a transcript. Jeez. That's actual, that guy actually, that's a 100% real thing that a, like, stenographer wrote down. Jeez. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But that guy's also, like, a country singer. Yeah. Oh, but someone asked Scorsese, uh... They were like, why did you do the ending thing? And he was kind of just like, he was like, well, I don't know who else. <laughs> see, okay. <laughs> like, I wanted to ask you about that to see if you if you knew about, uh, like when in the process did they decide to have him do it? Because having him do it, it, it breaks the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. It makes that moment at the end of like, hey, you just need to sit with this for a while. Like it really brings that home mm-hmm. and gets you in the right place in the mind, the right mindset for that. Uh, because like, okay, mm-hmm. the movie's over, but like, I don't want you to like, yeah, forget this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, it's just a very, 
I don't know. It's so effective. And yeah. I wonder when they decided. Yeah. That. Cause it's like, it's one of those things. I think, I honestly don't think they, he really thought about all the implications of why it's amazing. It was literally just a like, it felt like the right, well, thing. I'm not going to have to, he was like, I don't want to have to pick an actor to get these final words that are so important and just be like, yeah, you, you haven't been in the movie at all, but mm-hmm. now you get to do this and like have to direct it. Cause it's so, he basically was like, if I do it, the only person I can get mad at is myself. If it's not, <laughs> if it's not delivered well, mm-hmm. but then, yeah, there's all these, like all the things you just said. And it's like the whole ending, he kind of like puts himself into the, like, he's like, I made this movie and so in some ways I'm different than this, but in other ways I'm just like this. Mm-hmm. Like I'm no different than this radio show or the true murder, mm-hmm. true crime podcast kind of that, like it does that. And then it's also like breaking the fourth wall and being like, it's like the film itself literally addressing you kind of thing. And he's just so good. Yeah. <laughs> like anytime he's on screen or acting in any of his stuff he's really really good or in uh, his daughter's tiktoks <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah i think i feel like what he said was it was just a purely practical he wouldn't have to direct anyone else and it not be some like why put an importance on why did you pick that person to do that kind of thing mm-hmm but then there's all these added layers to it that make it like such a good decision. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. Do y'all ever just thank God you're alive when Scorsese is? Uh, <laughs> or like that his movies exist? <laughs> um, Kubrick. I see. See, I don't. To, for me, we've talked about this on the podcast before. I liked. I've liked Scorsese since I've. S- since the first time I saw, I think Goodfellas was the first movie I saw of his. Nice. Um, it was either Goodfellas or it was Mean Streets, and we all know my... my <laughs> Your incorrect opinion my of My incorrect mean opinion of Mean Streets, <laughs> uh, which would probably change now if I went back and watched it, because I didn't know what I was looking at. I didn't know what I was watching when yeah. I first saw I'm gonna st- That's my excuse. Wasn't it in a classroom too? It wasn't a classroom setting. It was tired. It was, you know, I was like, what are we doing? I was falling asleep. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so I've always appreciated his movies, but I don't think I really appreciated him as a filmmaker until that round table where he was talking with um, the director of yeah the uh, the farewell. The farewell. And, and a lot of other and people. Some of, a lot of other people, but specifically his interaction with her. Mm-hmm. And how much respect he had for her as a young filmmaker, and yeah. how much you could see there, w- like, and this is not to downplay any of the people in that conversation because they're mm-hmm. all excellent filmmakers. Almost all, <laughs> almost all. <laughs> Who else was in the round table? I that just we're uh, to? Todd Phillips is his name. Look, man, <laughs> whatever. He's still he's still a good <laughs> filmmaker. He's just tra- he was just you know, was he in that conversation? I don't yeah, him being there. Okay, yeah. he had a real like yeah. I'm supposed to be here with all these people. Energy, and they were just like yeah, you're good. Like uh, <laughs> I don't know. He just was very. Uh, it was interesting him talking about how he like being very like I'm supposed to be here. But it being like him just being like, isn't Scorsese awesome? 
I mean, it uh, to me the weird part was just that it was like your movie is clearly just trying to like yeah be like you're just trying to be Scorsese. Yeah. That's which why is it's weird. Fine. Wh- which again, it's it's weird hearing Scorsese talk about stuff since then. How much he's like, yeah, well, it's been done before. Why would I do it again? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, his his movie yeah. is just trying to be a different version of yeah. of the Taxi Driver, of Taxi Driver. So and it's it's King of Comedy and, and, King and Taxi comedy, Driver. Yeah, so. It's so intensely like yeah. both of those. So. It's got to be weird for Scorsese to be like, yeah, you just you really like my movie and you just want to do my yeah. movie again, and that's because also cool, I guess. But Noah Baumbach is wide, like wildly influenced by Scorsese, uh-huh. but at the same time, he's very distinct, and most people aren't going to watch Noah Baumbach movies and be like, yeah, Scorsese, right, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. But to Noah, it almost is that intense. Yeah, the same way, like. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson and Wes Anderson would both be like, yeah, I'm just doing Scorsese, but they're so distinct and the nor- most humans aren't, don't even think that, but to them, they're like, yeah, I'm just doing Scorsese, mm-hmm. but they're, it's them plus them doing Scorsese becomes this wildly interesting other thing. And mm-hmm. that's, what's weird with Joker isn't like a bad movie. It's just, it doesn't, it's missing the someone doing Scorsese and themselves. It mm-hmm. feels like it's missing the and themselves. It's just imitating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's imitating. Um like I think I think Joaquin is doing a lot in yes, that role. He's great. Um but the film itself, yeah, is just is uh oh I saw this shot and so I do this shot. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of yeah. But uh, at the same time I think it's like still this, Papa? a well made movie. It's <laughs> like just this? it yeah. is just very much an imitation of, of mm-hmm. that. whatever. Uh, anyway, that's not what I was getting at. Yeah. My whole thing is It's a great round table. It's a good round table and there's just something that that comes to light for me in that conversation of you can see that Scorsese has reached a point in his life that he has talked about uh where he has he has said this where he's seen he knows he's now able to see so much more that's possible with storytelling with filmmaking mm-hmm. uh and he feels like but there's just no more time and so to see him like have that understanding and like almost like obsess a little bit mm-hmm. with a young person who is making film where he can be like oh they've tapped into something and like i can maybe pass on what i know to them and maybe yeah. they'll have the opportunity mm-hmm. to uh, to uh, you know ex- explore this mm-hmm. where I won't be able to. Yeah. Um. But he doesn't do it in a way that's like like he does it. He's so genuine with her, and it's just such a cool. And you can see it also in his his interactions with Ari Aster. Yes. Um. Because he sees like wow, like like he sees the future mm-hmm. of of yeah filmmaking. He, he literally as an art said, form, and he, he said Ari Aster influenced this movie right yeah like a lot Bo is afraid and stuff a lot of the uh well and even just midsummer and stuff their pacing choices and the patience and mm-hmm. like that so um i think that that's so humble for one yeah um to have somebody who everyone looks at as like the master and yet he's like you've made one movie and i have so much to learn from you yeah it's like that I feel like I got to know him in that round table so well that I was like, 
yeah, he is the goat. Like he, just the how he handles himself in that conversation is mm-hmm. like that's what I want. Like if if I'm gonna like learn anything from him, it's yeah. just how he conducts himself mm-hmm. as a human being and a, an artist. Like yeah. it's like I want to be an artist like that. Like I like. I may never make a movie as good as him, but if I can be in a room and like conduct myself in that same way, yeah, like that's what then made me go. I want to watch all his movies again mm-hmm. and look at them through the eyes of knowing that that's who made it. Yeah, um, he, that's so cool. Scorsese like, to me is like he's like the opposite of death death of the author approach to filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I guess like he. This is going to be the most pretentious sentence I've ever said. <laughs> Scorsese, <laughs> Scorsese is the embodiment of auteur theory, but not in the like, I feel like people misrepresent auteur theory a lot. Not that it's like, oh, they just do the same thing over and over and that's why we like it. But it's like, no, it's context is what auteur theory is. Is if someone writes two novels or makes two movies they're saying more than what each one says in a vacuum Mm -hmm. because what do they say about each other? And so to me, uh, someone like Kubrick, yeah, Kubrick's amazing, but he's also like an (laughs) a-hole and which that doesn't make his movies (laughs) bad. His movies are great, but Scorsese someone also Kubrick's interesting. Kubrick and Scorsese were similar amounts of like, they aren't like writer directors, but they're not just directors. They're directors with a little bit of writer. Yeah, they definitely mm-hmm. transform a Because they're, they're not like David Fincher, where David Fincher doesn't write at all. And he just goes through with writers because he's like, I suck at writing, but I know when it's bad or good. But it, they're not like uh, like Paul Thomas Anderson or uh, Quentin Tarantino or Noah Baumbach, where they're like, yeah, I write the movie and then I shoot it because I wrote it. Like I wrote it, so that's why I made it mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but so they're similar in that way, but I, yeah, I don't even want to say like Scorsese's movies are better than Kubrick's movies, even though I prefer his Scorsese's movies. I don't even, it's not even that it's that Scorsese as a human, if Scorsese only ever just made the movies he's made, he'd be considered one of the best. But if Scorsese never made a single movie and did everything besides making movies he's done for film, he'd still be famous and considered one of the best people mm-hmm. in film. Like if he was a critic that like just like wrote stuff and if he replaced Siskel on Siskel and Ebert, we would still view Scorsese almost as intensely as we do now mm-hmm. just because how much he loves movies and how much he's done to like preserve them like with the film foundation and what he does with criterion Mm. and what he does with AFI and BFI and just like everyone. And yeah, cause he just likes movies. His contribution is so valuable. And I think that's actually a big part of what you're talking about with the auteur thing is that it's like, it's not that they, they make the same thing, whatever it's that the fact that he made this movie is an important part of it. Yes. It's not just something to be like, oh, cool, Scorsese movie. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, like he took like his role in making this movie is part of the movie. Yeah, it's part of that, and it that's an important factor to yeah. consider. And so, 
and it's it's a weird thing too because it's not like it's not like oh it's a good movie because Scorsese made it, but it is made better by the knowledge of that. If you mm-hmm. didn't know who made this movie, it's an it's an awesome movie, mm-hmm. which he's in it, so that's weird. But like, right. if it did cut to credits at <laughs> the wide this? shot yeah. when Molly leaves, it would be like that was an incredible movie. If you didn't know who made it, yeah. But and it's not just good because Scorsese made it either. He's made movies that aren't perfect. <laughs> He's more critical than we are of most of his <laughs> films. Because uh, he was like, recently, he was like, I probably should have skipped Shutter Island. And all these people are like, no, Shutter Island slaps. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's like, yeah, I guess just acknowledging. It's not just good because he did it, but him knowing he did it and there's a context and like a heart behind it that adds to it. Cause like you just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. He's like, he's just like a sage. Mm-hmm. He's just a wise human. Yeah. <laughs> and now Kubrick during eyes wide shut. Every time Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise are on the screen, you're like, you know, they did that. 40,000 times yeah. <laughs> until Kubrick went, that's the one. You're not, you're not annoyed enough yet. Keep keep doing it. Yeah. That, Do it again. Do it again. Do I it love again. Do it again. There's a PTA has a story. PTA got to meet uh, because he knew Tom Cruise. And so he got to go. I don't think Magnolia hadn't been made yet, but I think Tom Cruise and PTA like knew each other because they were working toward Magnolia mm-hmm. while they were still filming Eyes Wide Shut. So PTA got to go to London and meet Kubrick and just watch him direct for multiple days. And he said, Kubrick, that was terrible. he said, Kubrick was like, um, yeah, you're the kid that directed Boogie Nights. Right. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, that's cool. And just was like, not really talking to him, but just like letting him watch. And then somehow he found out he wrote Boogie Nights and Paul said it like flipped where he said he was just like letting me be there when he knew I directed Boogie Nights. And then he heard I had wrote Boogie Nights and he was asking me questions Mm. and was like bringing me in kind of the end was like, okay. And like really talked to him. And I thought that was interesting. But uh, I mean, there's, there's definitely a, a school of thought of when it comes to directors, there are definitely many directors that are like this where it's just procedural. It's yeah. just you're there to like keep us keep us focused, mm-hmm. make sure that the vision pers- is king and we go through all this and everybody is making the right choices, yeah. but it's really just a yes, no, yes, no, yes, mm-hmm. no, 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 yes, yes, yes. Like all that. You're just making choices and stuff. And it's not easy, mm-hmm. but there's definitely there are definitely certain directors that take a more relaxed approach to that. And yeah. so maybe that's where he's coming from when it's like, oh, no, you didn't just say yes and no to things. Yeah. Like, you crafted this from mm-hmm. the beginning. And not to say that directors that that write their stuff are better than directors who don't. It's just a, it's just how you, yeah, how there's you go a difference. about it. Because ironically, Paul Thomas Anderson sucks at communicating about, like, he's very interesting to listen to talk about movies, but he isn't good at explaining why what a director does or how to be a good director. Mm-hmm. He's just incoherent about it. He's like, I don't know, vibes. Yeah. Vibes. Kind of thing. <laughs> People, he like will talk technical stuff, but he's just very like scattered. Mm-hmm. And cause he's just like a madman that writes these stories and then he knows how to film them 
and he's just trying to get all the other people to be able to film what he's like wanting yeah. to. That's how I feel listening but, to Ari Aster talk. Yes. It's like I can't learn anything from him <laughs> yeah. because he's so scatterbrained. Yeah. But David Fincher, who doesn't write at all, he only films other people's scripts. He's literally the best person ever at like describing the job of a director, not from a like filmmaker all encompassing you wrote and then shot and are mm -hmm. editing a thing, but like what a director's job is on set. He's better than anyone. So, which my favorite, uh, what? No, go ahead. My favorite, his like shortest and best definition of he's like, when people are like, what does a director do? Or like, he was like, he said, a director's job, you you don't know, he said, you have no idea what a director does until you're on set and you have five shots you need and you only have light for two. He said, that's what a director does. As uh, he said, we have five more shots to do and you get two. So which one, which two are you shooting? Uh -huh. <laughs> and I was like, that's a great answer because it's like... <laughs> That was, is what a director does. <laughs> wasn't it also him that said something about how there was like, there's like four, three or four places that you can yeah. put a camera and there's one right one. Yeah. He said, and so like, he was like, people say there's a thousand ways to shoot a yeah. scene. He said, I think there's four yeah. and two of them are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then he also has talked about, uh, this is more like holistic directing than like actually being on set. But he's talked about, he said the director's job is to make sure the audience is with the characters when they're supposed to be ahead of the characters when they're supposed to be and behind the characters when they're supposed to be. I've always thought that was interesting. Yeah. And clearly he so cares about information and like, like that's how he makes his movies. Mm -hmm. It's like you can see that's he what he's thinking about. The flow of that. Yeah, it's like time. he has yeah. a valve, and he's <laughs> like, you know, so much. Now we're not going to tell you anything. You're gonna, you're going to fall behind, and then we're going to tell you more, kind of thing. But uh, that's I've actually used that example um, talking about drumming in music with people. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, the drummer is like the director, not in a. It <laughs> sounds obnoxious because it's like I'm the most important part of the band. <laughs> I don't feel that way. But what I do feel about drumming is drumming is you are you are the communicator to the the listener of like where we're at kind mm -hmm. of thing. Cuz it's like everyone's being dynamic and playing softer and playing harder, but the drums are literally the like is this up? Is this down? Are we building? Are we decaying? Is the the drummer is like the most explicitly causing that cuz that's like all the drums do. Everyone else is just kind of like doing that in addition to playing a melody or a chord progression. And drums are like, no, that's all I'm doing is I'm telling people where we're going and where we came from mm. kind of thing. But I've joked with like church drummers. I tell them the David Fincher quote. I was like, your job is for the listener to be with the band, ahead of the band or behind the band. And if you're in a church setting, they're never behind the band. <laughs> <laughs> There's some musical settings the listener is behind the band, so then when they catch up, it's really cool. I said, if you're in a church, no, no, never. <laughs> Not the case. <laughs> Generally, they're ahead of the band. You're like, we're going here, and everyone's yeah. like, sweat, like, we're going there. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're building and, like, doing fills that you're like, ready? Next part of the song's coming up. Let's go. Now we're in it. Like, Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They're really cool things. Yeah. Um, 
Well, this has been a great conversation, guys. I really enjoyed it. Jeremiah, I've enjoyed your uh, um, your silent observation <laughs> for most of the conversation. I mean, yeah. that's not a bad thing, here. though. You you can definitely tell when like you're you want to. Uh, I don't even know why I'm talking about this, but he, I just he. I don't know. <laughs> no, I know you well enough to know them. Like you're not bored. You're having a good time, but it's just like he handled himself like an Osage he in did. this podcast. He did. We've been over here. I, just, I mean, I really say, talk, yeah. and you're just like, mm. it's in my blood. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think I'm more Cherokee, but not Osage. <laughs> I don't. I think I'm Irish. I don't. Know. <laughs> I am not. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, Irish and like an uh, an Irish dude on my mom's side married a Cherokee. Oh, woman. that's cool. Uh, I need to ask my dad because he knows, my, and I think my dad's like just straight English. My net, my dad knows everything about like. His family, his my mom, his wife's family, and like just like everything going like five generations back, and I don't know yeah. any of it. <laughs> Do uh yeah try ancestry dot com or something. We thought yeah. for or, the well, longest I mean, unless time. Unless they already know. We thought for the longest time uh, that we were Irish, of of Irish descent. Mm-hmm. I think it was, and um my great aunt is just like super into keeping track of the family and making sure like like how does one family have that, er, so. have an aunt it's just, she's that. just so passionate about it like she's gone to family reunions of distant relatives to meet people and hear stories yeah. that's pretty and sick. actually this is how we actually know where we came from is because of her basically just sleuthing it out is uh we thought we were irish for the longest time and then she went to one of these family reunions and shared stories and then found out that like one of my like great great grandmothers uh slept with the mailman sick <coughs> who was scottish so there's no irish oh, connection it's scottish um, and so like our family line comes from the scottish side not from the irish side so like yeah yeah, that's it's a, just funny that's how a like really that. weird thing in America too yeah. is like, but it's, there's no record of it. Well, yeah. well according I mean to like, the records, we're Irish because her husband was yeah, Irish, yeah. but she slept with you know like it was either the mailman or the milkman, something really classic <laughs> like that. You're just like, that's and wild. it was like pieced together because they were like talking about like it wasn't like a known thing. She just mm-hmm. figured it out. Yeah, she was just like, wait a second. Like there's this guy that keeps showing up in these family stories. That's you like don't have that red, he's like you don't have red hair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and it's so my this is great, so. different but similar. <laughs> my my grandmother's sister-in-law found out recently that she has a brother in France, a French brother, because mm. uh, he was a war baby. Oh, nice. Uh, and she found out about him like a, two or three years ago. And like literally, her and her husband, my grandmother's brother, uh, just like went and stayed with him in France, and like got to meet him and stuff. That's cool. I love Reddit. It's like I surprised <laughs> my parents with, uh, like the DNA test. Yeah. But come to find out, yeah. I'm not their kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, which this guy, this guy didn't cheat on his wife or anything, but he went to war as a young man and then just like knocked a French chick up. Uh-huh. Uh, in World War Two, and then came back and got married and started a family, and so he just didn't know yeah. that, like he, uh, which I say that he found out later because this woman, uh, my grandmother's mother, sister-in-law, uh, her mom knew the whole time and never told him. Like at the dad knew too, but he died a long time ago, and she just never told her kids that they had a like a sibling. In France, it's messy. 
Yeah. You probably just want to keep yep. it simple and not. I think they had like correspondence, like the two moms yeah. of that man, or like two people, <laughs> mothers of yeah. that guy had like talked before and she just never told anyone. So she died and then the kids found out and were like, that's kind of sick. <laughs> Jeez. Cause it's like, there was no, there was no infidelity. Secret, yeah. It was just like, he ended up starting like making a kid in war and then yeah. came back home. And so he was like, didn't really know him. <laughs> well, keep it secret. Keep it safe. Keep it safe. No, no one can judge that's you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I want to I want to just pat myself on the back for not uh just like shouting out cool things about the movie like I always do. I'm just like this detail, this shot, this line. This is cool, right? But now I want to do that. It's too late. It's too late now. It's been a healthy amount this episode. It's been a healthy amount. Um no, but thanks guys. This has been fun. I know we haven't we haven't recorded in a minute and so it's been good to get back in the um in the studio, uh, in <laughs> a, in around the, the table, the uh, talking again. So it's been good. Life's been crazy for all of us, and so it's been hard to get back together. But it's been, been good. Uh, but thank you for listening, everyone. We appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. Hope you enjoyed this conversation, and we'll catch you on the flippy flip. Scorsese's the goat. He really is. <laughs> Say it, Jeremiah. <laughs> no, you can't make me. <laughs> Say it. Say it.